If that audio's going out or not. That's <laughs> odd man doing his class swapping impersonation. The director of the World Economic Forum. <laughs> I screwed it up, never mind. It was worth a go. Oh, shit. Hello. Phil Common. Bienvenue. Konnichiwa, ni hao, jambo, marhaba, we're here. I've had a few technical difficulties. <laughs> As usual. As usual. Welcome to Armist Inquisition yet again, episode 240 on Sunday, the 17th of July, 2022. I'm Armish Phil. I'm Armish Matt. Oh, there's no one else. No. Ben's not here, unfortunately. Ben uh, hopefully will be back shortly. Yes, hopefully. So. But never fear, because the odd man is here. How, how are you doing, odd man? Hey, man, I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me. This is awesome. Nice to see you again. It's been, uh, what do you say? It's been a hot minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How long ago was it that we last spoke to you? Oh, man, it was a while back. Maybe a, maybe eight months or I haven't even, I think time it's, just goes by so fast. I, I, I don't even know. <laughs> I'm pretty, it was, bef- I'm sure it was before the election. So that's, that was what, November 2020? How many times have you been on? Have we, seen, have we spoken to the odd man twice or once? At least twice. Twice, twice I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you came. I I was listening to something. And it was about a year ago. It said on YouTube, maybe. Mm. So uh, yeah, that's good. How's uh, how crazy is is it over there? We're on uh, like about a seven point five on the crazy scale <laughs> right now. Well, you know, it's it's kind of odd because things are fairly back to normal as far as if you just go out into public, things are pretty normal here but of course if you turn on the news things are insane and the whole country's going to shit so it's like you know i'm sure if you're in certain areas it's pretty crazy but here everything's pretty cool Mm. a lot of it's down to that isn't it the actual the role that the media plays in all this Mm -hmm. um yes and like the the news cycle and uh six-week cycles, so that's more sort of CIA sort of stuff. But um, how... I, I, I struggle to like understand how polarised it is over there because we don't really have that over here. You know, with the, like, the, the sort of left and right wings of mm-hmm. news. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, um, I don't... I haven't gotten out that much in the last few months, so I don't really come to contact with people who might be... You kind of uh, from the other side of politics, whatever that might be, or or quote unquote normies, you know what I mean. So I've kind I'm kind of a recluse in that way, uh, at least now, right now. So I don't really know, but I you know I go out to a pub every now and then or somewhere like that, and 
you know, I occasionally see overhear a conversation where people, you know, have obviously sat down and watched the news cycle and, and are just believing everything they hear. But for the most part, I'm kind of sheltered because I think I mostly talk to people who are like us and kind of know what's going on a little bit more than the, the regular people. I suppose there's a bit of a danger in that as well, because you can end up in kind of like an echo chamber. Mm-hmm. That's and true. It's That's like, how, true. Do you, how do you sort of combat that, really? It's like, how yeah. do you avoid going from one extreme to another as well? Because, I mean, if you go on Twitter, it's just, it's insanity. <laughs> People are is. fucking insane on there. I never it go, I don't, I don't go on. Oh, you should go on it. It's, yeah. it's hilarious. I can't. It's how, just awful. And it's just full of NPCs <laughs> and bots. Yeah. But yeah, they, they yeah. just take things so seriously as well. It's like, oh, my gosh. I mean, I'll try and stay off it. I mean, what are you like with, with social media? Do you, do you find that you have to use it mainly because of the podcast or do you actually use it for news and, and stuff? A little bit of both. Um, I, I do kind of catch the news in the feeds. Like, I'm still on Facebook, you know, even though it's mostly for – Boomer people who, <laughs> I mean, there's not much going on there, but you kind of get some news feeds. And then, of course, like you said, Twitter is just a battlefield of of no ideas. <laughs> you know, it's like people who are so um, sure that their side is right and they just have these snarky comments. And, uh, you know, so there's not a lot of um, real, I mean, there's good people on there that, that think pretty deeply, but you can only get so much out in a tweet. So, you know, it's, I think it's around basically just to keep people fighting, to be honest with you. Well, I mean, you could probably expand that to the whole left, right paradigm as well. I mean, this is yeah, something that yeah. I've been sort of playing around with and I was going to say come to realize, but I wouldn't want to be so confident that I know anything. <laughs> But I, I, I wonder how much of the whole political system is just uh, a divide-and-conquer motif, you know, mm-hmm. a system that's used to keep the plebs Urbanus busy with the bread and circuses well, while, yeah. while the cream, yeah, rise up the curse of Sonorum to world domination. It seems to be delayed, isn't it? It's, um, you know, it's really is a sport. I mean, people get into it and they become kind of um, almost consumed by it and they don't put a lot of deep thought into it. They just get busy defending their team. And I think it takes up a lot of their time. And I think that benefits the people who are, are really in charge behind the scenes. You know, I think they want to put these political figures out there and make us fight over them. So we won't actually start digging around and find out, you know, that there is this, you know, elite control system behind the scenes. You know, we may not be able to pick out every single person that's involved, but we can look at the groups who seem to be involved in most big policies and and kind of uh, figure out for ourselves, you know, hey, they're, they're controlling the money and that controls everything basically. And the oil and <laughs> the communications, the news, the, the uh, social media. So it's, <laughs> that's just kind of my view of it. Yeah. And um, yeah, social media is a big one. I mean, it's a, a real game changer in some ways, isn't it? The way it's sort of exploded. You mentioned Facebook before. I remember when I first went on Facebook and it was a way of sort of keeping in contact with maybe family who'd moved to the next 
state in your case or, you know, to a, a city in the south of the country or old school friends that you would catch up with, Yeah, you know, yeah. who maybe have moved away. It, it was almost more of a wholesome thing in that period. But mm. once it becomes a corporation, a money-making entity, and once, you know, certain groups get their claws into it and, and uh, it, it becomes corrupted, doesn't it? Because at the end of the day, it's there to make money and nothing else. And, well, and as uh, I don't know who first said it, but Adam Curry always says, if it's free, you're the product. Well, that was mm. it, isn't it? You know, it, it took them a while to figure out how they were going to make money out of it, essentially. And it's your data, isn't it? At the end of the day, that's what they're selling and also advertising with fa- in Facebook's case, isn't it? Well, this is what's inter- interests me with the whole Elon Musk Twitter thing, because Twitter makes its money from ad revenue. And if if Elon is exposing the fact, if it is a fact that you know forty percent or thirty percent of Twitter users are bots, fake accounts, all of a sudden these advertisers say, "Whoa, <laughs> what are we paying for?" Yeah, it just throws a complete spanner in the works. What's yeah, your, that's a good point. What's your view on Musk? Do you think he's a savior? Do you think he's a shill? <laughs> you know, I, I don't quite have him figured out, but I don't think he's a savior. I I think that he likes to, he loves attention, you know, obviously. And, you know, I mean, that's not entirely evil, I guess, but like, I definitely don't think he's, you know, he kind of plays both sides of the field. You know what I mean? It's like, if you look back at his tweets, he's been on both sides of everything. And um, he's had some really bizarre tweets in the past too you know about there's no reality we're just there was one that was like we're just swimming around in this like stew and there's no such thing as reality those kinds of things and it's it's like getting people obsessed with mars going to mars and i'm like man you can't even take us back to the moon i mean why is spacex not taking us back to the moon if we ever went you know oh yeah (laughs) space uh, is faking gay isn't it (laughs) right (laughs) so um yeah i don't trust him i really don't but he's interesting for sure he kind of throws and uh throws the you know his part of the whole political social mix is kind of interesting you watch people the, the the big names who follow him and it's kind of like they hang on his every word and it's it's mm. it's interesting he's become such an influencer you know you, then you look into his family and his dealings with Peter Thiel and in these different people and it's kind of like I don't know if I trust this guy or not I don't know if he's actually who he says he is he gets a lot of his capital from government doesn't he a lot of his contracts are government contracts which yeah, is, yeah. is an instant alarm bell for me. If you're a businessman, if you're getting all your money from government contracts. Yes, yes. And I kind of, well, I have this one idea that possibly because he's moved to the right now, for the most part, uh, what if he is an agent? I'm just throwing this out, total conspiracy theory. What if he's his kind of uh, duty, I guess you would say, is to kind of control the right and, and kind of make it cool for electric cars, for you know, for a, the right to accept this whole electric car phenomenon that's going to be coming. You know what I mean? It sounds silly, but he'd be the man. If there is a person to do that, it would definitely be him. Well, I've never been in one. I've heard like great things about these Teslas and that they're, like, they're yeah. really fast and ooh, not sixty in two seconds. Ooh. Like you can never go north to sixty in two seconds anywhere. Maybe on the motorway. I have heard. I've heard. Yeah, the performance is supposed to be outrageous, and they do like funny party tricks and stuff. 
we have uh, my wife is related to someone who's quite well off and he was telling her that he went to look at one and said like the build quality was was pretty naff so like the panels don't sort of like fit together properly and sort of inside the interiors are a bit plasticky and again the finish isn't great um, but he's had uh, he's always had Porsches he said basically um, <laughs> yeah so that's what that's what that's kind Not of what again yeah, which I believe were in uh, Panzers Panzers in, in World War 2 yeah Panzer tanks powered by Porsche engines were they really? I think so. Yeah, I, I did. Wow. I did learn that from a Bill Burr comedy skit, though. So I don't know how true it is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, mm. you know, like Mercedes, did they not like build warplanes and stuff? Yeah, Messer, uh, was it Messerschmitt? Yeah, I thought so. Did yeah. they have Mercedes engines? Could so. be complete fake news, that. I don't know. My World War II history is I'm pretty shit. I'm just going to just say that they are. They're all Nazis. Yeah, well, the British ones had Rolls-Royce engines in them. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm I didn't know sure. that. I'm pretty yeah, sure they, did, they were, yeah. 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 And they still, Rolls-Royce still build, build, they build jet engines, don't they, for commercial airplanes and stuff. Yeah. Oh, wow. So That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's the one manufacturing company we have left in the, in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if it's British-owned, though, is it? Oh, no, it's probably owned by the Saudis, isn't it? Or, or a hedge fund. <laughs> like, like the rest of our country. Yeah, basically. Yeah, your man Brandon, he's been turning it up in the Middle East this week, hasn't he? <laughs> yes, he has. I, I haven't kept up with it, but I, you know, I, I saw that he was in Israel, and yeah. I'm sure he was making some dirty deals there. You know, and <laughs> <laughs> I mean, every time one of those guys go over there, it's like our money—you can hear our money flying out <laughs> to the window over to that area. And then with the Saudis, I'm sure I, I saw a couple headlines that they said that he was going over there to make some deals about oil. So I assume that's why he went, because, you know, the, that seems to be why they are our, our allies anyway, I think. So, you yeah. know, more of the same. Yeah, it's the same here. Uh, one of our, well, it was our defense minister. I don't know if she still is defense minister, because our political system's just been turned on its head in the last two weeks. We've had yeah. a complete new cabinet. Um, oh, wow. We're getting a new prime minister soon. Allegedly. Can't wait for that. Yeah. That'll be exciting. <laughs> on it, a new yeah. puppet. Yeah. And uh, one of the, I think it was the defence minister, it was Liz Truss. She was being grilled. I've got the clip for part two to right. play. Um, she was being grilled by a select committee because of, we've, we've basically been, it seems that we've been going cap in hand to the Saudis now for oil because we won't buy any off Russia for humanitarian reasons. <laughs> so this, this uh, Labour MP in the select committee is saying, so would you like to comment on the humanitarian conditions in Saudi Arabia? Yeah. You know, where they throw gays off buildings and shit. <laughs> and it's like, we're just complete hypocrites, aren't we? We're hypocrites. Oh, absolutely. You know, we said here, I think, you know, Biden's reason for stopping the oil drilling the oil here domestically was environmental reasons, but then he's going to get oil from the Saudis and other places where I'm sure the regulations aren't nearly as strict. <laughs> and so, and then, you know, they tell you one minute, everything's connected. The, the, the environment is completely connected. And then they do mm. something like that. And it's like, it shows you that they really don't care about the environment. Is it a case that um, the U S will just pay, they'll pay to offset it. So rather yes. than producing it in your own country, 
they'll pay for it to be mined in Africa or drilled in Saudi Arabia, and then they'll just pay an extra fee, a carbon tax, if you will. Mm. That'll yeah. offset it, and, we, you know, we'll plant a few trees or whatever and make ourselves feel better about what we're doing. Right, yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, a lot of the environmental groups here are actually owned or affiliated with some of the oil companies. So, you know, they, um, not all of them, but some of them, it's been a while since I looked into it, but, you know, they do that for PR reasons, I think, you know, uh, makes them feel good and they can brag that they're working with environmental groups. And uh, meanwhile, you know, they just conduct business as usual. I think that's the thing, isn't it? So it's just a bit of saving face. We were talking a few weeks ago, um about in the uk um sort of whole farms being bought up um and then they were sort of being sold off for for like um sort of carbon capture so they would grow um fast like non-native fast growing fir trees essentially um and i think that's already kind of blowing up in their faces now because obviously they're giving over so much land so much acreage to that rather than having the capacity to grow wheat and all the rest of it. And it just it, it just seems so bizarre. And similarly sort of with like what's going on in Holland at the moment, have you heard about that in terms of like the farmers striking there because of the, the nitrate, is it nitrate or nitrogen? Nitrogen oxide. Nitrogen oxide usage there. Um, so there's limits on it and stuff. I've, I've not, I've heard, I've been so unplugged the last well, really, the last six months or so, I've just got so burned out on the news. I did see a couple headlines about that, but I'm not familiar. Yeah, so so it's basically, yeah, so they've got, um, what's the acronym? EP, whatever the guidance is, basically. They've got to meet sort of regulations. For it's, an e, it's an EU directive, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but basically, yeah, so you can only use a certain amount of uh, uh, nitrogen oxide uh, as a fertilizer, I guess. Um, and then obviously that's going to impact sort of like the yield and all the rest of it. It's making it um, by about fifty percent. Yeah, so it's making it so you can't effectively earn a living because your yield will be reduced or whatever. Um, so they're all striking and all the rest of it is like you know reduced food in supermarkets and, and and that kind of thing. But I was just thinking about it. Then where's that the food that's being grown in Holland? Where's that going to come from? Or similarly here, you know, if we're selling off farmland for carbon capture, where are we going to get our food? It's not going to magically appear. It's going to come from the other side of the world, either on a plane, which is notoriously, you know, produces loads of carbon, doesn't it? Or a big diesel-powered boat. Or it's not even diesel, is it? It's like oil or something they burn on boats. So that's like mm. even worse <laughs> yeah. on tankers. Yeah. So I just, it's just like you're getting lost in the... Well, I said it last the other week. I said it, it, that's their problem. We'll just pay. We'll pay the tax. We'll offset it. It's, just, you know, yeah. let ba- Bangladesh can worry about how much carbon it takes to grow the cows. <laughs> you know, I was going to say because the same things happen in Sri Lanka. I mean, they've burnt the president's. They've chased him out of the country and burnt his house down yeah. in Sri Lanka <laughs> for the same reason. That was to do with fertilizers more than right. nitrogen oxide. The reduction in they, they just went nuts and said. You need to cut your fertilizer use by fifty percent or something daft. We have to be organic, and so all right. Well, your yield drops by fifty percent, and now we're starving, and the government's bankrupt, <laughs> and we can't get any oil. Yeah. So the, the, it's a failed state essentially now. But these farmers' protests are, are uh, popping up in Italy yeah. and Poland now. I think 
it's spreading and uh, it's all because of this climate change stuff basically that's what's driving it all that's what's driving it all well you know the people used to laugh and i didn't even know what it meant back in the day but people would talk about agenda 21 you'd see that on the internet and that guy glenn beck would talk about it and people would just say that's a conspiracy theory you know and then lo and behold you know we had the COVID 19 debacle and in 2021, you kind of saw the lasting effects of that, and that was the year they wanted to accomplish everything, and they put a lot of those measures in place in 2021, and that was the, the 100th year anniversary of the Council on Foreign Relations. I don't know if that had anything, anything to do with it, but you see these things coming together, and then uh, I've seen lately just just in headlines, uh, different things about the climate and the year 2030, and they have Agenda 2030 under the, you know, the United Nations Sustainable Development. So these these goals are obviously real, and they're obviously, to me, it seems like they're clearly hell-bent on trying to make these things work. You know, whether they actually work or not to the good of the people, they want to implement them, and it's, you know, it's insane. It's insanity, really. Yeah, they're definitely in play. I don't know why people write it off. It's there in black and white. You can read it. It's on the internet. Mm-hmm. It's not a conspiracy. You can go and read it and yeah. make what you want of it. And it's not just like when we had Mark Malone on. Like every local government, every local council has their own section where they're talking about what they're going to do to achieve these goals from this directive that's been dreamt up by some Mm. in some smoke-filled room, <laughs> darkened room, <laughs> surrounded by, you know, shysters like Soros and his mates and Schwab, rectal Schwab and <laughs> all the rest of it. Where do, yeah, have you, yeah, come on. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, if you tried to sort of trace this back through time to like, um, would it be like the Club of Rome or somewhere like that? Do you know, it's like a genesis of this environmental stuff, do you think? You know, I, I did some looking into that a, probably a year and a half ago, but I, I, you know, I'd like to do a follow-up on that, but yeah, I think it does come from the club of Rome. Uh, Maurice strong was, um, he was the, I think the leader of the club of Rome at, at one time, he was also, he had a high level position in the UN and I think he was the one who was the head of the world economic forum until Klaus Schwab took it over. And this guy was a former oil tycoon from Canada, and he was, if I'm not mistaken, he's the one, he and Al Gore kind of came up with the whole idea of the carbon credit scam. Uh, So I think that a lot of these ideas came from him and and others like him. And, um, you know, I I think it is a scam. I mean, I definitely think there's pollution. There's no question that we we pollute things, but um, I, I really question a lot of their... Uh, their claims and what's going to happen. And, you know, I mean, you guys are probably close to my age, maybe a little bit younger, but I think we all probably remember 20 years ago or even 30 years years ago, they, they said that uh, there was going to be all these environmental catastrophes, just horrible things, you know. Um, Acid rain, ozone layer. Yeah, ozone layer was the big one growing up for me, and acid rain, yeah. Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, I... I was in Miami not what's like a year and a half ago, and it's and it hasn't changed a bit. It's oh, right it, on it's, the end of the. It's still there, is it? It's still there, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I, I remember uh, Barack Obama 
you know, a few years ago in a, or not in a interview, he was talking about the climate and he said something like parts of Miami, like the streets of Miami will be underwater. And I guess they'd have had a storm and that had happened and they showed a picture of it. And then, um, some guy replied to that. He said, I've lived here all my life and we live right on the ocean. You know, the, these, these buildings are right on the ocean and that happens every time it rains. That's just the way it looks. <laughs> and then it drains back out eventually, you know? So they, they scare people with these things and, uh, you know, people are willing to put up with whatever, especially younger people, you know, they, it's easy to kind of, uh, direct and steer the younger people and everybody wants a clean environment and they don't want a environmental catastrophe to happen yeah i think you're right with the the younger kids it's something i've i've found as i've i was going to say matured but that's definitely not the right word as as i've gotten older (laughs) as i've aged yeah i'm definitely more uh, discerning i remember a time in my life where if i saw something in a documentary or read it in a book it was the truth it was the gospel yeah, and it's only as you get older, I think, unless you know you're a lot smarter than me, that you, you figure out that all these things have motives behind them mm. and perspectives, and uh, you, you can't just take stuff on face value. So I can't remember watching um, the Zeitgeist movie from like twenty two thousand six, was it when that came out? Somewhere around then. And, Sounds uh, about right. Yeah. The whole first half hour of the of the movie is basically deconstructing Christianity, with the whole um, you know Horus uh, mythology, and it's very re- heavily reliant, I think, on Jordan Maxwell and his work, and uh, and so I just believed it, you know, I just believed it because it was in a documentary. It's only when I so I got older and started doing my own reading, my own research, and reading from different sides of the argument as well. This is, goes back to the echo chamber thing. If you just read from one side of the argument, you're never going to learn anything. You're just sort of compounding this message that's been given you over and over again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I have people ask me, you know, where do you get your news from? You know, uh, Mr. Smart Guy, you know, that kind of thing. And I'm like, <laughs> well, I don't get it from one specific source. I think that people want that. They want that quick, oh, I can trust this this news outlet, this website, and that's all the only place I'll have to go. And I always tell them, look at different sources from the left, from the right, maybe look at a, a libertarian side or two, put all those together. And and also the main thing I tell them is study propaganda, study the, the techniques of propaganda, read Bernays book, both of his, you know, I think he's got more than one, but I know um, propaganda, that book, crystallizing public opinion, there's another book by Jacques Ellul. It's called Propaganda, the Formation of Men's Attitudes, I believe. But read books like that that teach you about propaganda. And if you can recognize it, you can read any article. And a lot of times you will, you know, you will learn to recognize what's real and what's not by the way they write about things, I think. I think it helps a lot anyway. You might get fooled sometimes, but it will help you to discern truth from lie, I think. That's one that's on my must read list Edward Bernays's propaganda as in the source the book oh, no right. not the Bernays uh, did he invent Bernays sauce <laughs> I don't know or are you looking the, at or, me I don't even or, know who he is or is that propaganda <laughs> <laughs> who's the propagandist hey, now you came into uh. my thing then <laughs> <laughs> what yeah um, I've, I've, before I forget I've got two questions from the discord that I want to Ask it, old man. And these are sure, from yeah. uh, these are from Lee, who's a fellow UK podcaster. 
the big cool. conspire. Uh, here we go. I don't know what you'll be talking about with the odd man. Well, neither did we. And we still don't. No. <laughs> but I have a couple of questions for you to ask him if you have time. He does some deep dives into subjects, and I was wondering... Oh, this is good. I was wondering how he starts his research process. Does he have somewhere he always starts, a website or books that are his go-to place to kick off the research? So that's a good question. What's like, do you have like a set method when you're researching a subject or is it more scattergun, shotgun? Yeah, it's, I wish I had a good method. I need to get one. Um, I'm just not a real organized person. (laughs) So um, what I do is, uh, the show I'm going to do is whatever I'm interested in at the time. And it's usually something, it's usually about a book. It's usually a book that I'm reading. Uh, and what I'll do is if it's an interesting subject, I'll try to find several books, you know, I'll grab a PDF here or there, you know, and, um, I'll try to, you know, read through those books as quickly as I can and get the important parts out, watch a couple videos and kind of uh, start putting that together in somewhat of a sequence. And I kind of just put it into a a note form and then I go from there. That's pretty much it. I I don't really, I wish I had something that was really um, put together, but I don't. It's just, I kind of go with whatever I'm feeling at the time. Yeah. I mean, for people listening who I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with the podcast, but yours, your show is is pre-recorded and it tends to be subjects central so you pick a subject and you're doing deep dives on it so it's pre-recorded and you're going through the research and 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 stuff do you do you like set out what you're going to do beforehand like a a rough sketch of what your podcast is going to be what areas you want to hit and then record it and then go back and record different bits what's it like for you yeah, it's uh, so I'll get the notes together and I'm constantly reading. I usually record the show over a week's period of time. Right. Uh, it wasn't like that at first. At first, I would record it in maybe one to two sittings. Now it's like four or five because I'm constantly finding out new information. And so it takes about a week for me to get everything together and get it edited. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll put the notes in and sometimes I find new stuff that I'll add to it and I kind of just go in there and edit it together. And, um, you know, kind of try to make it work. And then by the time it's done, I'm like, that was totally insane. If I had sat down and really tried to put everything together and, and come up with a system, it would have been so much better. I tell myself that every time, but you know, the few people that listen seem to like it. So I, I appreciate that. How do, how do you know when it's done? <laughs> you know, I try to, uh, there for a while I was going like an hour, 20 hour, even an hour and a half. Um, but now I'm trying to limit it, limit it to about an hour. Uh, sometimes I go over a few minutes, but I'm trying to do it around around an hour. Right. So that's a conscious decision. Do you think that's? I mean, I, I can kind of understand that because um, it's not like like ours is more conversational based, yeah, and, and ramblings and mm-hmm. and that sort of thing, and news and stuff. Whereas, whereas you are going into quite in depth. Uh, material there's a lot of names and dates and like these three-letter organizations and NGOs and stuff like that so I can understand that I can understand from that point of view is that it's difficult to hold someone's concentration for a long period of time when the information is quite in-depth quite detailed Exactly. Yeah. It's, I start to get bored around an hour's time. And I know if I'm starting, not really bored, but I start to get tired. My mind starts to get tired because I'm trying to concentrate 
And like you said, it's such serious stuff usually. So I figure people, you know, maybe leave them wanting a little bit more instead of trying to overdo it. That's kind of my approach to it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I'll go and give you the second question from Lee, because this is a topic specific concerning one of your latest uh, podcast. Uh, Second question. Uh, Odd Man is diving into the Mormons at the moment. Uh, Great info so far. And there is a strong link to Masons, so Freemasons. Does he think the Masons were behind the formation of the Mormons, or was it Smith taking what he knew of Mason practices and putting his own spin on it and running a huge scam to make money, get women and power? (laughs) Thank you. Great question. It's a long question. My latest uh, show is actually about that. The uh, second part of uh, the, the dive on Mormonism is all about Freemasonry. So if, if you haven't heard that, Lee, please check that out. But yeah, so I think that uh, around that time, nearly everyone that was surrounding Smith was a Mason, so many people. And so I think his older brother, Hiram, who I they think was named after Hiram Abiff. Great name. Great name for a Mason. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, they think that he was named after Hiram. He was in a a Mason Lodge. I forget the name of it right off the bat, but it was actually in the uh, Joseph Smith owned a store, a small store, like a general store. And the upstairs is where they were having the the Freemason meetings. And that was the first place of the Mormon church. So, you know, there's the connection there. Uh, The legend has it that, Joseph's father tried to get into Freemasonry, but he was a notorious drunk and um, uh-huh. just a, a scoundrel. So uh, he, they think that he kind of had a, a bit of a beef with Masonry because of that. Because there, eventually there were a lot of anti-Masons that were kind of surrounding Joseph Smith. So, And in fact, here in the States, our first third party, third political party, was called the Anti-Masonic Party. And there's a connection, direct connection to the uh, to the Mormon Church because there was a guy named um, Colonel oh, I'm blanking on his name. No, 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 no. Sanders. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh, William Morgan, Colonel William Morgan, I believe, or Captain William Morgan. Excuse me. So this guy was a Mason, and he wanted to start his own Freemason lodge, and he lived in the next town beside Joseph Smith. And the Mormon church. And so he, they turned him down. The the Masons would not let him have his own lodge. And there's not really an explanation as to why. So to get revenge, he decided he would be the one to write a book to explain all their rituals, everything about Freemasonry, the Blue Lodge, Ah. first three degrees. So I guess before that, a lot of this stuff wasn't known. And of course, they took revenge on him and it's well known that they kidnapped him and by horse and buggy and they went through several different states here and they would switch out different masons would take different a different horse and buggy put him in that one and eventually they took him i believe to canada if i'm not mistaken and a few months later a body washed up and they think it was his he was never seen again so they think that body was his and so there are some people who say that Joseph Smith actually was friends with William Morgan. Uh, you know, it's, it's not I mean, it's not a big stretch because they knew a lot of the same people and they lived their towns were right beside each other. 
And here's another crazy thing, though. William Morgan's widow ended up remarrying a Mormon who was friends with Joseph. And Joseph and his wife went to stay with them in a different Mormon town. And one of the other uh, pastors, one of the other prophets of the Mormon church, his wife testified that at that time, Joseph Smith and the other fellow's wife started having an affair. And so a couple of years went by and the lady and her husband moved back to the town where Joseph lives. And after Joseph Smith died, allegedly, um, or was killed, allegedly, she married him like they, they can marry even after people die. So she, for whatever reason, and I'm not exactly sure, I've got more research to do why they do that, but she married Joseph Smith and divorced her husband. So Joseph Smith was dead, but she married him, immediately divorced the, the husband. So she was Morgan, you know, the, 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 the whole reason the anti-Masonic party was formed by, was because of Captain Morgan's death and Joseph Smith married, you know, so to speak, married Captain Morgan's wife. So there's a connection there to the anti-Masonic party. Can marry Sorry, a I was rambling guy. a lot. I'm thinking of all these names and stuff like that, but. You can marry a dead guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's called your uh, she became his plural wife. That's the title they give it. They also uh, baptized the dead. Uh, They even went back and baptized the founding fathers. Some of the founding fathers they didn't think uh, had been baptized. So they baptized them in spirit. And they have people who are in the Mormon church basically just to marry and baptize the dead. I mean, I want that job. (laughs) Right? How yeah. easy would that be? Exactly, yeah. No hassle, no talking back. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I think to, you know, to answer, answer uh, Lee's question, yeah, I definitely think that uh, Joseph Smith basically took what the, the Masons taught and applied it to Mormonism. And they started their own more, uh, Mason lodges. And there was a bunch of them around the area. They got so big that the Freemasons decided, hey, we've got to put a stop to this. And so they kicked uh, Joseph Smith and his brother and all those out of Freemasonry, allegedly. And uh, it was until the 80s, uh, I think up until the 80s, you, if you were a Mormon, you could not join Freemasonry in the United States. But they changed that. And as of a couple of years ago, uh, the uh, lead Freemason in uh, Utah was a Mormon. So, yeah. You know, kind of interesting. Full circle. Well, they're desperate for yeah. people, aren't they, the Masons? Well, we've, like, we we had a, a Freemasonic historian, didn't we, David, on, Dr. David. Yeah, he wasn't, few, he few wasn't for uh, seeing behind the curtain, was he? Letting us be, see behind the curtain, I should say. No, but to your point, he was saying, like, it's mm. it's sort of a dying, it's dying out, really. Yeah. As far as the UK is concerned, anyway, there's not a lot of young, young blood coming in. No. And did we not speak to... Uh, 13 questions podcast guy bill bill yeah yeah bill he was the same. same yeah bill said like i'm, I'm the youngest guy in there by several decades yeah and he, <laughs> obviously he's based in the u.s somewhere yeah i don't know i I've, can see uh, that I, I don't sort of i kind of um i'm interested in esoterica and symbolism and stuff so i can see it i can see an attraction in that respect but um you know i don't want to get dressed up and go to black tie dinners it sounds like a pain in the ass 
No. <laughs> right, and you have to pay those dues, you know, so yeah. I don't want to have to do that either. No. <laughs> lodge fees. Yeah, lodge fees, yeah. Mm. I don't know. It's, it was of its time. Maybe it's, it was of its time. I mean, someone who I know who was in the Freemasons um, said to me once that you won't, you won't find the answers you're looking for there, basically, right. in very plain language. And uh, he was a Freemason back in, like, the 70s for uh, a few years, a number of years, and, and then bailed. Yeah. And uh, yeah. just doesn't really talk about it. But I guess, you know, probably takes his oath seriously. You know, you're not supposed to talk about these things really, are you? Mm. No, you're not. And actually, I was reading a book by um, a former Mason, and he said that after he left the the lodge, he, he became a Christian. And he, he claims in his book that, you know, when you basically rise up to the 33rd degree, they let you know you're worshiping Lucifer. You know, that's kind of the, you know, that's kind of the, the legend, right? And it's like, is that really the truth? But that's what he claims in his book. And um, he said that you never get to leave. He said, you, they have something, it starts with a D. I wish I could remember the name, but I'd never heard it before. But it's a title and it, it means that you're never out of Freemasonry. Well, even if you do sign out and stop paying your dues. So it's kind of like, I don't want to start something and not be able to get out of it, you know? <laughs> No. Because you're you're making that blood oath, even if they don't require real blood now. I don't know. I've heard different things. But, um, yeah, I don't want to have to sign up for something I can't walk out of. I, at least with church, I've never <laughs> – no one tells me you have to pay your dues or you can't walk in the building and you can't – you can never get out of it. You know, that's <laughs> that's pretty wild, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think there's probably similarities to other sort of um, – I was going to say occult societies. I don't know how it depends what you view a Freemasonry is, whether you think it's an occult society or just a, you know, because some people have the view that it's it's, it's just a fraternal organisation. <laughs> they, they do charity work, they meet up and have dinners and, you know, it's it's all uh, benevolent, which it could be. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not in there. I'm not, I don't know. Uh, but you yeah. wonder about the similarities between other occult, societies uh secret societies whether they sort of attract the same sort of people into them you know the same people who are looking for something and they can't find yeah. it in the the profane world as you know someone like rudolf steiner would say i don't know yeah i think that uh, there's probably a lot of good people who are in freemasonry that uh, you know they just join for fraternity you know i think a lot of people i've, I've got a neighbor who uh, joined the lodge about two or three years ago and he's told me straight up, he said, I just joined to for the networking purposes, because a lot of these companies like uh, the UPS and FedEx and different companies here, uh, from what I've been told, uh, they have a large Freemason, uh, you know, kind of population among their employees. And it allows them to network with the big shots and work their way up in the companies. And I think that it's probably still good for that reason for local politics too because i noticed like the the smaller lodges in my area they're all run down and they look like you know they've they've been neglected but when i go to one of the bigger towns the the, the lodges there are really nice and kept up and so I, I have to think that maybe it has something to do with the politicians i mean that was <coughs> sorry <coughs> that was part of the um sort of scandal in the uk and the like I think probably particularly the 80s is that it became apparent that a lot of the judiciary 
were in Freemasonry, a lot of senior police officers. That was a big thing, wasn't it? Police is well known senior in the police. UK. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it sows distrust then, doesn't it? Because we're all supposed to be equal in front of the law. And if all of a sudden you find out that there are organisations working within the the, uh, the law and order system. Yeah, I think that's the, one of my biggest uh, concerns with it is they require you to make a, an oath to obey the lodge. And if you start to look into like uh, the, the more esoteric books like Morals and Dogma by Albert Pike, there's parts in there you know it's a huge book and you really have to study it and it's to me it's it gets very boring at times but you know he says in there plainly that you are you know you're swearing an oath to the lodge and there's some you know like uh, quotes in there about always swearing to obey um you're in a quest for revenge um, you're, you know, you're trying to build an empire, a Masonic empire, you know, you have to look really hard, but there are those quotes in there and it's like, okay, I thought we were, this is just a fraternity. I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> who are we getting revenge for? I, I suppose maybe the Templars, I'm not sure. And, uh, and, you know, as far as a Masonic empire, I mean, that kind of like no wonder people made up uh, or talked about conspiracy theories and government and, and the Masons when you have stuff like that in, in your uh, your books, you know. But like if you talk to uh, I've sort of, you know, I've seen a lot of um, articles where Masons are like, oh, yeah, we're not really into Albert Pike. He's not as, a, as big a deal as people try to say. But, you know, I mean, he wrote the uh, the higher degree rituals. So that's pretty important, I think. So I don't know. Maybe it's an inconvenient truth, as Al <laughs> yeah. would say. Yeah. Is it, I mean, the Masonic Empire sounds like the British Empire to me. That's something I've been looking into in the last sort of uh, six months is the, the start of um, the sort of links between Francis Bacon and Freemasonry and uh, the Invisible College of the Royal Society and, and these sort of connections uh, which sort of kicked off the whole British Empire, really, and mm-hmm. uh, it's 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 uh, dripping in Freemasonry. <laughs> you know, you, there's no yeah. getting, there's no getting away from it. So maybe maybe that's the Masonic Empire. Maybe it's the British Empire. How much how much influence do you think the Brits have today? Do you think this is sort of underground layer of soft power? You know, I go back and forth. Uh, you know, I did some shows on this Pilgrim Society that, you know, they have the uh, the UK version and the US version. And a lot of people tell me, oh, that that's nothing. That was just a dinner club. You know, they, they're not a big deal anymore. Yeah. And it could be true. They're so secretive. It's, it's There's no way to know unless you have some kind of inside source. But I go back and forth on that. I don't know because... <laughs> You know, some people say, well, the queen, you know, like, uh, you know, the, the royal family actually owns the U.S. and they never, you know, the U- you know, you hear those. And I'm like, I, I just I don't know about that. I, I mean, I, I just don't that's think that's true. That's a new one for me. I've not heard that one before. Oh, the the, yeah, the yeah, queen, she owns the U.S. and she's, she's, she's turned the frogs gay as well. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. yeah. You hear those those uh, questions or those uh, statements like um, the U.S. never really got out from under the uh, royal family and the U.K. control. And uh, I don't really think that. Um, but I also, you know, it's like you start to look into it and there are a lot of, 
UK companies and a lot of the, the Lords, uh, you know, the, the well-to-do guys that seem to be connected to certain policies. But, um, you know, then you look into uh, the Israelis and they seem to be involved in everything too. So one could say the same thing about them. And, yep. um, you know, it's, so it's hard to say. It's uh, a lot of it's sort of, uh, it's not really publicized, isn't it? Like we talked about Chatham House last week. Because uh, Jacinda, Jacinda Ardern, mm-hmm. Prime Minister of New Zealand, that communist, she was, uh, she that lunatic, she was over in the UK last week to meet Bojo, the clown, before he fell on his sword. Yeah. And uh, I can't remember the story from last week, but she, when Jacinda, when she was sort of doing her gap year, her overseas experience, she ended up working for Tony Blair. Yeah. While he was Prime oh, Minister, well. she was working in Downing Street and then for Gordon Brown, who succeeded Tony Blair. So, yeah, so she, sorry, the, the CEO or whatever ever runs Charm House is the former Prime Minister of New Zealand. Right, so, yes, so, so at the time, mm. the Prime Minister of, of New Zealand, uh, the current, the, t- the Prime Minister of New Zealand at the time, I can't remember her name. No, I can't remember. But this was, would have been the late 90s, early 2000s. She's the yeah. current head of Chatham House. Yeah. So when oh, okay. Jacinda came over last week and she was talking about her overseas experience working for Tony Blair and Gordon Brown, and then she happened to give a speech at Chatham House as well. And you wow. just you just wonder how much of this sort of uh, this sort of revolving door occurs between government NGOs corporations, regulators, mm. everything else, you know. Yeah, because, you you know, you, once you start looking into Chatham House and, and the Council on Foreign Relations, I've got this huge list that I'm kind of, eventually I'm going to do a show about it. But it, as far as I can tell, there's probably 35 different organizations that all have similar names around the world. And I think, as far as I can tell, I think they're all connected to... Chatham House and the Council on Foreign Relations. I think they've put these organizations in nearly, not every single country, but most countries. And uh, I think that that allows them to communicate instantaneously. They have some control over the government policies there. It's kind of like a, a bridge between government and corporation because they almost all of them have these big corporations that fund them, you know, that are a part of their corporate membership. So, uh, and also I noticed uh, looking into Chatham House, I'd love to do a show on it sometime, but, you know, it's a big, it's it's a big subject um, with a long, long history, but Chatham House works with the, um, the um, Open Societies Foundation, which is George Soros's foundation. They actually handle, I think uh, George Soros has some grants in his name or maybe under the open societies that's given through Chatham house. And also the uh, Fabian society, the uh, started the London school for economics and the Chatham house works directly with the London school of economics. So, and and of course um, George Soros went to the London school for economics and so did David Rockefeller, a lot of, you know, big names. So it seems like those groups are all connected and then they're connected to all these other groups even in places like uh, Germany and uh, Russia, there are these groups. So it's really interesting. It's like it really is like um, kind of like uh, in that book, Tragedy and Hope, uh, where Carol Quigley talked about, you know, the beginnings of Chatham House and the Council on Foreign Relations. And he even mentioned the Pilgrim Society in there, too. But it is a network. It's, I think that's what he called it, the, the network. And that's it really is that a global spanning network. 
Yeah, like satellite organisations. So you, you have mm. like the, the mothership and then like another layer in between them and then just dot satellite plant these organisations, these NGOs in various countries mm. and uh, the influence runs top to bottom, you know. Hub and spoke. Yeah. yeah. Hub and spoke. Mm. We've never heard of that term before. No, what's that? Well, you have a central hub and then you have your spokes running off it, basically. Oh, like but, Buddhism. Yeah, yeah, right. like the wheel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah essentially. Gotcha. I like that. Yeah, I, you know, I was looking, you, you mentioned Sri Lanka, and I did, I haven't looked into a lot of current events, but I did look into that a little bit because I did a series on the Ukraine Russia thing. Uh, I did like five shows on Ukraine, the history there with the U.S. and Ukraine. And then I did two shows on Russia, kind of like asking, are they part of the new world order or are they really bucking the system, you know? But um, one thing I learned doing the Ukraine shows is everywhere there's one of these color revolutions or uprisings, you know, you'd like to think that when you hear about the people getting fed up and overthrowing their government, that it's organic and they really want what's best and i'm sure most of them do but i feel like the elites that you know they have people on the ground and when they see these things happening they take advantage immediately and infiltrate or maybe they even start the uh the, the process themselves but every time i see one of those even sri lanka i see the same organizations i see an organization here from the united states called ned or the national endowment for democracy and i looked into them and they are an arm of the cia that was created under ronald reagan uh, after the uh, iran contra scandal (laughs) because the cia was getting a bad rap for you know getting involved in other people's affairs in other countries so they they said we got to figure out something else so we gave it the you know they put the title democracy in there so every time there is one of these color revolutions ned is right there and they also have when they created ned they created the international democratic institute and the national republican institute that were directly with ned so all these big shots from our government are working with this organization that is an arm of the CIA and nobody wants to talk about it, you know, and most people don't know. And then you also see another organization there called you said, which is just us aid, which I always assumed was just aid over getting (laughs) foreign, foreign aid to people who need it. Right. Mosquito nets and blankets and moonbeams and penny whistles. Does he not just throw like, grain out of the back of <laughs> huge planes that's what you see on the films isn't it right yeah with little uh, little cards saying yeah. how much they care you know and they want to help but what they actually are is a contractor they're a government contractor so they hand out these huge big money contracts to rebuild these countries after uh, either we destroy it or, or we assist in destroying yeah. it or the or they hand out security contracts those th- kinds of things so you said is always there but there's usually another one called freedom house <laughs> which does basically the same thing as Ned. Um, And also the Open Society Foundation, Soros' foundation. What about the Clinton Clinton Foundation? I'm sure they're in the mix. They certainly were in Haiti, rebuilding Haiti. Oh, yeah, definitely in Haiti, yeah, yeah. So you see those same organizations, and it's like, are they? it seems to me like they are overthrowing these governments and trying to just put people in that they want that will control them, you know, 
and do what they want. Uh, John That's Perkins, the only thing I can figure out. John, get John Perkins book, Memoirs of an Economic Hitman. Yeah, spells it out the whole that sort of arm of U.S. foreign policy throughout the sixties and seventies, particularly in Central oh, America wow. and South America, how how they control those countries. A lot of it's to do with the IMF as well, and that was the case with Sri Lanka. Get them in debt. Get them in debt to yeah. the IMF. Right, we own you now. And you're going to implement yeah, yeah. these policies. Well, that's exactly, yeah. That's um, Putin's argument, isn't it? You know, essentially, there's a shill. Uh, well, he's, a, he's a pretty much a shill, isn't it, anyway, um, that's in charge of Ukraine, sorry. Um, but he wants to put his own government in there, which is essentially what, you know, the US is trying to do through NED, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a proxy war, basically. And yeah. a lot of these altercations are proxy wars like we had, mm. we had in Syria you know we, mm. we have this this country where we have like the NATO forces on one side and then we have Russia Iran and ooh let's not have a no fly zone because you know the US might shoot down a MiG and then it'll be World War 3 it's like these games are played on a different level and mm. um we just get fed this shit from the media about what side you're supposed to be on and make yeah. sure you put a Ukraine flag emoji in your Twitter bio and all this nonsense. Have you not done that yet? Have I? Fuck. <laughs> no, I don't trust any of them. All oh, right, I'm I don't going trust now. Any of them. <laughs> yeah, it's it's terrible. It really is. It's it they and they need each other. They need that's what's so scary. It's hard to find out if there is a real good guy in a lot of these situations because the system needs the good guy, the bad guy. They need the fighting. They need people to get behind one group and, and more people to get behind the other so they can pit the people against each other. And they just create this whole fog of, of war and yeah. this chaos. That, and the average people can't understand what's going on and, and they don't know where to look and they, they don't know how to find out the information they need to find out. Mm. And, you know, it's it's bad. Do you... Uh Man, do you think it all comes down to money at the end of the day? Because uh, a lot of people in our sort of little corner of the internet think that there may be like a spiritual level to all this shit, this like a spiritual warfare, if you like. Um, I'm not sure if I'd go that far. I'm, I was wanting your opinion, whether you think it's corruption, money, evil, good versus evil. How, how far do you go on that? Yeah, you know, that's another thing that I kind of go back and forth on. Uh, you know, definitely money plays a big part. But I think a lot of these guys, or not a lot, but the guys at the very top, they have so much money that, you know, it, it turns into something else, you know, because you, you look at the Rockefellers and, and, and the Rothschilds and the and uh, even Gates now and um, others like that. And it's like, eventually, the money doesn't matter as much as being able to influence and control situations and policies around the world. Yeah. And it's almost like they want to see certain things happen even on after they die. Like there's some kind of power in feeling like maybe that gives them some solace to feel like, okay, these things are going to be implemented and, and they're going to, to keep going way after I'm not even here. So that mm-hmm. there could be a spiritual thing, uh, you know, as far as that goes. And... You know, it's, it's hard to say for sure. That's an inch. I've never, not heard that tape before. That yeah. it's almost a lack of spirituality, like a hardcore atheism. If you're if you're so materialist that you think that once you're dead, you're in the dirt, and that's it, then what other choice do you have to leave some sort of legacy rather than having some kind of uh, agenda played out once you're gone? 
Yeah, I wonder what the Gates Foundation's got in store for us then when Bill goes and Melinda goes. That's a good point because, I mean, how old will he be, Gates? Is he in his 70s? I think he's late 60s, maybe 70, I don't know. He probably thinks he's going to download his consciousness into an iPhone somewhere. Maybe he's just going to freeze his head like Disney. <laughs> freeze his head? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Wasn't, um, what's his name, uh, Epstein, wasn't he looking into that? The cryogenics are like freezing his head. I, I read something about that anyway. It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> well, maybe it was his penis. I, I, could have say, I had exactly the same joke lined up. Yeah, but wasn't he one of these weirdos with like some sort of weird mushroom malformed cock? Like Weinstein. I thought we'd agreed that that was a normal shape for a penis. And yeah, for you and Weinstein and Epstein. But yeah, what's, isn't, isn't that part of his, his illness, his mental illness, that he had some sort of weird cock? <laughs> no, that's completely separate from his mushroom penis. Oh, it's totally, of course, totally separate. <laughs> right, all right. <laughs> I believe you. Millions wouldn't. No. Well, bloody hell, odd man. We've done over an hour already. What oh, are you? Wow. What are you reading? Do you do you get chance to like read a book for pleasure from start to finish, or is all your reading just focused on whatever your next sort of uh, run of podcasts is going to be on? Unfortunately, it's the latter. Yeah, it's I love to sit down and just read a book for pleasure. But no, it's like I feel like I'm constantly like, I, you know, at first I, I tried to um, first started doing the shows. I did them all by myself to like the 30th episode or 35th or something like that. And then I started having guests on a little bit. But I, I, I don't feel like I'm a very good interviewer. So I just started trying to do shows by myself. I know what you mean. And it's turned into such a time consuming thing, you know, that I kind of regret it. <laughs> Although I enjoy it, it's the labor of love. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of tough. What's the, um, the video thing that I saw the other day, free world or something. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm not sure when it's actually going to come to fruition, but I think it's going to be within the next couple of months. Uh, John Brisson from we've read the documents, uh, and Billy Ray Valentine from the infinite fringe are putting together a network called freeworld.fm. And I'm going to have a show on there called Persona Non Grata with Oddman, and it's just going to be an interview-based show. So I'm going to give it a give it my go and see if I can hack, you know, can, can do it. But uh, yeah, hopefully they'll come out soon. Cool. And I, you guys got to be on. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and mark you down. We'll talk <laughs> about the schedule and everything. No problem. We'll do that. And what uh, on the podcasting front? What have you got coming up? in the next few weeks well i'm doing uh, the second in an episode on the history of zionism which is kind of a touchy subject but uh yeah it's been very interesting because uh i never knew much about it so uh and i'm doing it in a way i'm trying to do it in a way that i haven't heard other people do it because you know people do get kind of anti-semitic with it or they say things without thinking and they, they make these blanket label statements. And so I'm really trying to go in and do the deep history on it. I found some really good books that have documented things that I had never heard before. And uh, I'm just trying to do it in a historical kind of perspective that people can enjoy and uh, learn things that they didn't know before. So we'll see how that goes. And if I disappear, uh, you guys know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a, bit of a tightrope, isn't it? Now, I, I listened to the other uh, last week, I listened to your first one on, on the Zionism thing. And it's, it's, it's history at the end of the day. 
You know, you're talking about yeah. the Balfour Declaration, and it's a lot of stuff that we don't get taught in school, you know. And we're not yeah, aware of, yeah. of the um, the influence that the British had in creating the state of Israel at the end mm. of the day. And, and uh, it, it's good. It's good information. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, that one was that one was pretty tame as far as uh, not a lot of controversy in that. But, I, you know, I, I feel like I tried to set the foundation for the modern state. And um, I think that the next one, uh, which is almost finished, will be a little more controversial. But, um, you know, I think they'll get a little bit more controversial as they go. Mm. But um, th- the one I think that people will really find interesting is the the Rothschilds one that I have lined up, which is they have such a big influence on the modern state that I don't think a lot of people know about it. No, the shapeshifters, the shapeshifting Jews. <laughs> <laughs> Joke, <laughs> joke senses. Fucking hell! Right, old man. It's been a pleasure. We'll uh, we'll Thank sign you guys. off. Yeah. Um, stay awesome. on the line for us for one minute while we play ourselves out, and uh, we'll, cool. we'll we'll catch you filthy lot on the flip side for part two. All right. Nice yeah. to see you, mate. See you in a bit. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye. The dwarf, the mother of madness. Always nice to have the odd man on, isn't it? Yeah, it's a good guy. Good guy, the odd man. Yeah. Had a good chat. Wide ranging. Yeah. Just general, general flint flam. <laughs> Shoot the shit. It's yeah. good. Shoot the juice to me, odd man. Shoot the juice to me, Bruce. Again, again. Just uh, shoot uh, the juice to me, Bruce. There we go. God, too many banks. Too many banks of... Uh, and I got news for you. That means you're gay. <laughs> too many banks of uh, iced tea. Yeah. Yeah, that was our chat with the odd man. Links in the show notes. If you want to check out the oddcast, it comes highly recommended if you like deep dives into uh, occult, secret societies, uh, NGOs, hidden history. Yeah. All that stuff is in there. It's good. It's a well-produced, professional-sounding podcast. Right, okay. Unlike Why ours. did he come on now? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. No? Okay. Is it not the other way around normally? No, I don't know, is it? It's better to ask for permission than forgiveness. Well, yeah, depends on your point of view. From a certain point of view. Whether you're you're the forgiver or the perpetrator. Yeah. Okay. Right. Let's go, let's move on. Let's do some headlines. Shuffle your papers, I've got too many. You can't have all of those, can you? Capital letters, a big news story. Never got 20 pages. Headlines of the week. <laughs> okay, what have we got? I'll rattle through three good ones here. Also first, homophobic telescope reveals first high-res images of deep space. <laughs> I, 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 I can't even talk. Yeah, it's the James Webb. Yeah, the James Webb. Yeah, it's homophobic. How is a machine homophobic? Well, James Webb was homophobic, apparently. I mean, I'm pretty sure that according to these guys, so everybody born pretty well, except maybe uh, your man. <laughs> Who? I can't remember his name. Gone out of my head. Dale Winton. Uh, Stephen Fry's hero, a Victorian playwright and 
Oh, Oscar Wilde. Oscar Wilde, yes. Even though he was married, I think, wasn't he? In a sham marriage. A beard. Yeah. Oscar Wilde's beard. Yeah. Yeah, let's move on. Number two. If heat heat weave... (laughs) If heat wave hits 42 degrees, bees may ejaculate themselves to death. Now, what a way to go. Well, yes, who's complaining? Because what's the lifespan of a bee? Like a day in, in my back garden. Two pumps in a squirt, by the sounds <laughs> of the article. Do, 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 do worker bees get to ejaculate? Mm, I thought they were just Just like, into a sock. I just thought... who in gets shame. To, who gets to have sex with the, the queen? It's a matriarchal society, isn't it? Yeah, well... Yeah. Yeah, there's, man. One, there's only one female, is there not? There can only hive. be one, yeah. And they just follow it around. There can, can be only one. Like the uh, just stop oil people, they follow around their queen bee. Well, it's a perfect example of a hive mind, isn't it? The just stop oil protesters. Let's go on. Vicar caught in flagrante with Henry the Hoover, carried on after being seen. Mm, let's deep. Let's dive. Let's deep dive into the Hoover bag. Mm. A retired vicar has been put on the sex offenders register after he was caught getting intimate with a Henry Hoover. Uh, I've got a picture for just for. Oh, he looks. He looks a bit cheeky, doesn't he? Please Extra. With Please with himself, isn't he? That Henry. Yeah. yeah. Oh yes. Come and fill my bag. <laughs> Stretch my nozzle. Mm. John Jett, seventy-four, was wearing just a pair of ladies' stockings. <laughs> And the vacuum's nozzle. Now, this is now this is a story we that should be doing every week, isn't it? This <laughs> well, is our we've well, found our level here, haven't we? But he's seventy-four. This is a reason why. <laughs> <laughs> this is a reason why um, Vickers should get to retire at sixty-eight. Why? Well, because he's seventy-four, mm. and he's been caught doing this. It's obviously stress-related, isn't it? Is it? Or has he been banging Henry all the time? I mean, some might oh, say... Oh, no, no. He got caught, caught on his first attempt. <laughs> Maybe. It's better, <laughs> it's better Henry than the older boys, isn't it? To be honest with you. Ouch. Wow. That's number one. <laughs> That's number one, yeah. Well, yeah, it's better. Someone had to say it, didn't he? Uh, John Jeff, 74, was wearing just a pair of ladies' stockings and the vacuum's nozzle, which he was thrusting into when he was caught by a churchgoer who was attending a talk about Ash... Oh, my God. When he was caught... It gets better. When he was caught by a churchgoer who was attending a talk about Asperger's syndrome. (laughs) Why... Church putting on talks about Asperger's syndrome, especially when they know they've got a Randy Vicar in stockings banging Henry. Okay, Nell. Maybe it's just to make them, you know, feel better about themselves. Well, you know, there's always someone worse off, isn't Why there? not use a Dyson, man? Henry's mm. suck. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> they described they described how he was standing between two dark chairs. Why would you describe a chair as dark? I don't know. Thrusting into a Henry Hoover at the Baptist Centre in Middleton Cheney, Northamptonshire. They said that even though he saw them, Jeffs continued pushing his groin towards the Henry, famous for its relentless and powerful suction. 
He appeared at Northampton Magistrates Court yesterday where he tried to deny what he had done in September 2020. Finding him guilty, a magistrate said, Why you thought it best to bring this matter to trial, I have no idea. <laughs> he told the police that he did it because he felt naughty. As well as having to sign the sex offenders register, he was ordered to pay 845 quid in costs and uh, £200 compensation to the victim. Wow. What, Henry? <laughs> He's the victim, surely. Oh, God. Oh, the victim who witnessed the sex act, not Poitake. Potok. Yeah. Potokum. I mean... Uh, three excellent headlines there. Yeah, so that was a banger. Banger? Mm. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's move on to British politics. Okay. It was Bojo's last stand at PMQs on Wednesday. Right. Prime Minister's questions. Oh, obviously, because he gets six weeks off for summer, don't they? Well, there is one next week. Oh, is but he's right? just fucking it off. He's not doing it anymore. I'll throw the towel in. Mm. So uh, it was the last time for Keir Starmer to get some digs right. in and that. And uh, I've got a, uh, a video from the uh, beginning of Prime Minister's questions, just to give you a sort of idea of the level of what we're subjected to in British politics. This is how it operates generally on a weekly basis for public consumption. Hang on. It's uh, silent. Hang on. Why is that quiet? Hang on, hang on, hang on. So I got the theatre down. I'd like to point out that the British Sign Language Interpretation Proceedings is available to watch on Parliament Live TV. We now come to questions to the Prime Minister. I start with Robin Miller. Mr Speaker, from tomorrow... I don't feel he has control over the situation. Now, what would the Conservative Party or any party say if this was the way that um, school children were reacting to their teacher, for example? Yeah, you'd get lines, wouldn't you? You would. After school detention. Yeah. Not very honourable by it sounds like. He's no, uh, what's his face, is he? Betty Boothroyd. <laughs> Can't remember his name. The one, who, the one who got John. John. Mr. Peter Bone. Yeah, him, yeah. I will not tolerate such behaviour. If you want to go out, go out now, but if you stand again, I'll order you out. Make your mind up. Either shut up and get out. I like how he keeps taking his glasses on and off. <laughs> Look at them jowls yeah. vibrate. I warn the honourable member that if things protest in current to shut up a minute. Does somebody want to a want? Give me the names. I want names. Sit down, you won't be in the future. I now warn of the honourable members that if they persist in refusing to comply with my order to withdraw, I shall be compelled to name both of them, which may lead to them being suspended from the House. 
Neil Handy, Neil Handy. Yeah, the grass. The grass. <laughs> Look at the grass. Neil Handy. Neil Handy. Can I get an apple? To ensure that the honourable member complies. Can it? Oh. What's the name? Neil Handy. Neil Handy. I order. Shut it. Shh. Neil Hanvey, I am now naming you and Kenny McCaskill to leave this chamber. Sergeant, deal with them. Deal with them. Sergeant? Sergeant? Yes, Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> Have like military police. Yes, WrestleMania 22. <laughs> deal with them. Just sit down. <laughs> no, Sergeant at arms, escort them out. Do you think that's the one guy who's allowed to be armed in uh, Sergeant at Arms? You would think so. Also armed with a mace. You would think, well, yeah, or a cutlass. <laughs> Take them out, Sergeant. Let them out. Oh, it's such a farce, isn't it? It's embarrassing. Shh. Shh, children. <laughs> Someone said insurrection then in the background. Uh, let's just see if we can. Uh. Mr. Costa, you don't want to go and escort them to the tea room, do you? <laughs> no, I suggest not. I think you're a good, a better behaviour. A good that. boy. A good boy. Let's try again after that. Prime Minister will now go to Robin Miller. It's, it is weird, isn't it? Like a whole. A lot of people. I remember that young uh, SMP. Minister going in, and she was like maybe in her mid twenties or something, and just finding it all bizarre and like all the sort of rituals and what they get away with, and um, different world, isn't it? Yeah, and just like being able to talk like that within sort of a debate. Um, yeah, it's just it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, so it went on sort of without issue after that. Uh, Bojo got one last dig in at Kilstarnama. <laughs> I think it's possible, Mr. Speaker, he's referring uh, not to me, uh, but to some of the eight brilliant candidates. Keir Starmer asked a question about non-doms. Right. Because, you know, uh, there's not questions of non-domination tax status for a lot of the contenders, the eight contenders, although I think we're down to five maybe now. Yeah. To be the next Prime Minister, leader of Tory Party. Candidates who are currently vying uh, for my job. Let, let, me just tell, let me just tell him that... Let me just tell him that any one of them will wipe the floor with Captain... Yeah. Captain... Oh, he can't get it out, yeah. can he? He's got it queued up, ready? Yeah. The slur. Wipe the floor. Can I just say, the furniture has to be repaired. And one of the members already had one bill. I'm sure he doesn't want another. Prime Minister. Any one of them would wipe the floor with Captain Crasheroonie's snooze fest. And... And after a few weeks' time, uh, that is exactly what they will do. They will unite around the winner and do just that. Oh, that's quite a good one. Captain Crasheroonie's snooze fest. <laughs> no, that is absolutely... This whole thing is, is, is total rhubarb. Yeah, he's not the most charismatic guy. I think that's the point he's making, isn't it? No. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, it's sad. It's a sad state of affairs. Mm. Let's uh, let's go on to some uh, some of the runners and riders. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about Michael Gove, and he's not in the running. Is he now? No, notorious coke fiend. <laughs> Allegedly. 
possibly <laughs> raging alcoholic, allegedly. He's not in the running, but um, we've got another cult fiend in the, in the running, Rishi Sunak. Oh. I collect Coca-Cola things. Oh, oh really? Yeah, yeah, I'm a oh. coke addict. Oh. I'm a total coke addict. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's just mashing it up. Rishi's mashing it up in Ibiza, total coke fiend. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know if he should be have his hand on the lever of power. No. <clears throat> uh, at least he's... <laughs> at least he's got his his finger on the pulse when it comes to, you know, uh, connecting with the working classes. I have friends who are aristocrats, I have friends who are upper class, I have friends who are, you know, working class, but... I'm well, not working class, but... <laughs> Not plebs. <laughs> I don't know what that clip's from. It's like an old documentary know, from weird. when he was like 25 or something. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? How old is he now? He's about our age. He looks it. About 28. <laughs> <laughs> what old is he? I don't know. Don't know. Probably, I'd say, like, you know, mid late, mid to late 30s, you would say, wouldn't you? Do you think he's that young? Yeah. That's young to be Chancellor, isn't it? Should I do a quick Google? No, it's uh, corrections. Send us a and note. Addendums. Corrections, addendums and corrigendums. How old is Rishi Sunak? Oh, just do it in the chat now. Someone Google it for me. Yeah, even better, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I would say, I'm going to say he's mm, 40. But I'm going to say 39. Right, OK. Um, would you like to see um, or hear Liz Trust? We alluded to this oh. with the odd man. Liz Truss getting roasted by Chris Bryant over Saudi Arabia? Uh, yeah. It's a long one. Yeah, I think I might have posted this one. Liz Trust was the foreign secretary and she was appearing before a select committee. God, was she? Yes. Right. If to answer for your crimes. Well, she was something to do with farms or something else, wasn't she? Oh, she's had every cabinet right. job going. She's okay. just sort of slithering up the greasy pole like a true member of Slytherin house regimes earlier and you've said that the UK should be a robust counterweight to authoritarian regimes and that we are ending our dependency on authoritarian regimes for energy how would you describe so that's in relation to Russia yeah we're reducing our reliance on authoritarian regimes by ditching Russian oil unlike the Germans and the rest of the EU (laughs) the Gulf states I would describe the uh, Gulf states as partners of the United Kingdom. We're currently... In with a bullet, Rishi Sunak is 42, apparently. There's <laughs> uh, a note of incredulity over that comment, Kelly. Yeah, I mean, how old is a lizard? Yeah, uh, yeah, they look sort of wrinkly, don't they, and dry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's probably a lot younger. He's probably 18. Probably. But it's his lizard, lizard genes make him look 42. Yeah. Yeah, um, Wikipedia. Negotiating a trade deal with the GCC. Now, is every country that we work with uh, exactly in line with United Kingdom policy on everything? No, they're not. <laughs> Definitely not. Well, I mean, we sell a lot of arms to Saudi Arabia, don't oh, we, to bomb Yemen? So. Yeah, do you think that might be something to do with it? You know, defence contractors. It's all right for us to sell them fucking warplanes and bombs, isn't it? That's fine. You raise an important point, yeah. which will be... But they are important allies of the United Kingdom. Hang on, Mohammed. Chris Bryant misses that point, mm. which, when I watched it, I thought, boom, you should be getting in there with that point mm. when we come. Sorry, I've jumped the gun. 
my own gun. Bill Salman, um, responsible for the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, no? Yeah? I, what I would say is that Saudi Arabia is, is an important partner of the United Kingdom. 81 executions all on one day in Saudi Arabia. And you, you don't think that that's an authoritarian regime? What I'm focused on... Yeah, but what did he get executed for? <laughs> you know, they might have been horrible. <laughs> you know, maybe they didn't have a pride flag on the profile last month. <laughs> Probably not, no. Maybe that. Maybe they deserve to be executed in public. Well, that's the other thing, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> is making sure that we are dealing with the major threats to the world. The number one threat we're dealing with at the moment is the threat from Russia. In order to do that, we need to make sure that we have alternative energy sources. And one of the key sources of energy is the Gulf region. We're not dealing in a perfect world. We're dealing in a world where we need to make difficult, difficult decisions. And I think it is right that we build that closer trading relationship with the Gulf states. If, an if a country is an authoritarian regime, it's fine to do business with it as long as the authoritarianism is only within its own borders. Is that right? See, that's the point he missed. That's when he should have gone to Yemen. Mm -hmm. The arms we're selling them are being used to bomb another country. She, she says, well, Russia is invading Ukraine. That's yeah. why. Mm -hmm. That's why our relationship has changed. Mm -hmm. And he completely misses that. The mm -hmm. fact that Saudi Arabia has had this ongoing incursion in Yemen for fucking years yeah. with bombs that we're paying for. Mm -hmm. He missed it. I can't believe he missed it. You know. Well, what, we, what we're facing with Russia is a regime that is actively seeking to invade sovereign nations and create a greater Russia. Recreate the former Soviet Union. What we're seeing with China. Yeah, but we went hand in well, cap to them. For What's she going to China for? Does she mean to say Saudi? Who knows? Oh. 12 years, and, it, well, and, and now wrong. we're doing the same with Saudi Arabia. Well, I, I think that was wrong, uh, the approach that was taken you to Russia it. by the West. It was wrong. In the Gulf um, trade document that you just published, you say the government will continue to hold those who violate human rights to account. How are you doing that in the Gulf states at the moment? Well, these issues are raised regularly with the relevant ministers and leaders who we meet in the Gulf states. You and have what personally? Our aim, I have personally, yes. Well, your spokesman said that you hadn't. Come on, man. Give me a break. So what was, what's the last human rights issue that you raised with a Gulf state leader? I'd, I'd have to come back to the committee on the precise timing of that. But well, I anything, have just tell us anything that you said well, on I human rights. Well, I certainly have raised it when I was in... Go on, tell us I'm one now. I'm just trying to remember my most recent visit, but I can assure you I've raised it, and I will write to you with the details. You can't remember a single human rights issue that you've raised with a Gulf state leader? Oh, I've raised particular issues when I've been in the Gulf about well, name human one. rights issues. Well, I'm not going to go into all the details of... I'm going to stop it there because we know it's a merry dance at this point, it's isn't it? It's just awful, you know, isn't I it? You've got to say, fuck off. off to them. You, can't, you, can't, you just can't get a straight answer, can you, that would cause a headline. Well, we know what's going on. We know mm. we sell arms to the Saudis mm -hmm. and that they have taken... It's a marriage of convenience, isn't it? Yeah, to like, you know, make money and 
for oil, I guess. There's no, and gas. There's no place for morals or principles in politics. No. That's what it comes to at the end of the day. Yeah. Regardless of whether... And I got news for you. That means you're gay. Whether <laughs> you're gay or not. Okay. <laughs> Chris Bryant is gay, you see. Oh, that, that's why it was particularly pertinent to him with uh, Saudi Arabia. Right, right. I don't right. know if he's the chair of that select committee who was just on the panel, but he's, a, he's one of the few openly gay, high profile Labour MPs. Mm-hmm. They're all grubby. Right, I concur. Mm. Right, let's uh, let's move on. Uh, Ian, Ian King on Sky News pretty much summed up my thoughts on the Tory leadership contest. I mean, I've never heard such a lot of rubbish coming out of some of these people's mouths. I mean, I remember a time when the Conservatives stood for sound money. You know, here they all are brandishing these unfunded tax cuts around. I mean, the whole thing's an absolute farce, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, shall I tell you about something else? <laughs> Wow. He's off script, he's off script. I mean, it's funny, but in a way, it's not funny because, uh, I mean, there's editorial, there's, that's taking editorialising to an extreme. That's the news. Yeah. The news should be unbiased. It should be, be the news, what's happened. But that is messaging. That's propaganda. That's political messaging. Mm. Because it's, you know, it's... Um, What's the word? Um, partisan. Yeah. That's partisan. Same as Fox News is or MSNBC. Mm. We're, we're getting worse now. We're following the, the, the United States. Our news media is getting more partisan. Yeah. It's like um, <laughs> a fucking Channel 4 debate with Christian and Guru Murphy. Fuck me. I think, what, I, think I, I saw one question. That was it. Oh, yeah, I saw some bits of it. But, you know, it's, it's politically motivated, all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I mean, the, the leadership um, contest might be gauche because it's all based on the assumption that Boris, Boris is actually going to leave office. That's the big thing, isn't it? Yeah, well, if you listen to Rory Stewart, he tells us what happened when Bojo was ordered to leave the Foreign Office. <laughs> when he resigned as Foreign Secretary, he refused to actually leave the building. There were these incredibly embarrassing moments where the uh, senior civil servant foreign office had to keep saying, when, when are you going out? Because everybody else leaves that day. You and in that case, he hung around, I think, for three weeks because he didn't want to pay the rent on a flat. And it's it's quite possible he's, he's going to try to do the same here again. But Fucking nuts, isn't it? Fuck off. It's fuck off, man. It is just nuts, isn't it? Yeah. Well, what have we got ourselves into? Well, just um, this is why I'm for small government because then they don't, they can't affect you. Yeah, they, you can leave them, leave them in their own little bubble. As long as you don't interfere with me, mm-hmm. you won't have a problem with me. Mm-hmm. But when you start interfering and telling you under what circumstances you can visit a dying loved one, mm-hmm. well, that's a line that you shouldn't, shouldn't you, that isn't for crossing. So. Mm-hmm. That's where uh, it gets a bit silly, doesn't it? You know, I've said it a million times, your politicians should be at the end of your arm so you can wring their neck when they fuck up. But these guys are fucking completely unaccountable, aren't they? They're just in their own little world. And, uh, you know, they don't give a shit about us at the end of the day, whether we're gay or not. (laughs) Oh, shall we be on something happier? Yeah. Okay.
Melting, aren't we? In the UK, <laughs> as soon as the uh, this is what happens when our political system is a democratic dictatorship. Democratic dictatorship. Mm. Yeah. Interesting way of putting it. Yeah, it's the illusion of choice. It's not democratic, really, is it? One person, one vote would be a democracy. Mm. And the United States isn't a democracy. It's a constitutional republic. Mm-hmm. We have a um, not a monarchy. Uh, What's the word? Constitutional monarchy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, climate change. Climate change. Got an article from The Telegraph. UK weather. Met office warns it won't be safe to go outside and play in the sun next week. Okay. Really? It's not going to be safe to go outside and play in the sun next week. I know. Do you believe this fucking tosh? There's a 50% chance <laughs> that temperatures of more than 40 degrees will be seen the first time this has been predicted for the country. The public has been warned that it will not be safe next week to go outside and play in the sun as the Met Office issued an unprecedented warning about the imminent heat wave. A red warning has been declared across England as the forecaster said national temperature records would likely be broken on Monday and Tuesday next week. (laughs) A bit of windy pops. While such warnings have previously been issued for storms, none have ever been declared because of heat. There's a 50% chance that temperatures of more than 40 degrees C will be seen. Forecasters said the first time this has been predicted... You're repeating yourself. Telegraph, fuck me. The heat is expected to put more pressure on already stretched emergency services, disrupt daily routines and lead to travel delays as experts warned of unprecedented weather conditions. The UK's first ever national heat health emergency is set to bring potential effects on transport systems, food, water, energy supplies and businesses, the UK Health Security Agency said. Two days of very hot weather with a tropical night in between. Sounds delightful. Doesn't it? A bit tropical in our house. I mean, it's only two two days, isn't it, of (laughs) really hot weather. (laughs) They're nuts, aren't they? Have you got that graphic from the Discord? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, tropical night in between where temperatures do not fall between, below 20 degrees are expected to lead to widespread health problems, including heat exhaustion and heat stroke, particularly among the elderly. You got it. Heat stroke? Yeah. I got sunburn. No, you. I remember once you had to, you had to sit in a bath and you come up, couldn't come out and play and said you got a heat stroke from a holiday. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. Was that not Nuki? No, it was like when you were younger. Oh, yeah, it was uh, in Menorca. Was it? Yeah, I got prickly heat. Yeah, because you're all, like, pasty and shit. Yeah, I was like a beetroot. <laughs> yeah, just going in a cool bath. I mean, yeah. Uh, a lot of heat stroke is through exercise, you know. Is it, right? It's compounded. Yeah, so it's mainly athletes right. who get heat stroke. Like me on the treadmill today. Absolutely. Yeah, pounding. <laughs> pounding the treads. <laughs> It's mainly young children, under five, but particularly under two. Right. And uh, people over 65. 
mm. because the I think it's the autonomic nervous system is still developing right. in in the young age group, mm-hmm. and obviously it's your five you're dying, <laughs> so your nervous system is on the way out, so you can't <laughs> regulate body temperature the same. Oh. So they're your risk groups under fives, particularly under two. Over 65s and ex, you know, athletes, people who go out when it's 40 degrees and start running marathons. Well, that, yeah. you know, you're asking for trouble, aren't you? Ah, the, oh gosh, um, two days of very hot weather with a tropical night in between where temperatures do not fall between 20 degrees centigrade are expected to lead to widespread health problems, including heat exhaustion, heat stroke, particularly among the elderly. Hospitals cancelled routine operations. Mm-hmm. And appointments in preparation, so that won't come back, will it? The UK Health Security Agency has increased its heat health warning from level three to level four, a national emergency. In an apocalyptic video posted online, Professor Penny Endersby, the chief executive at the Met Office, warned that the UK was not prepared. Have you seen this video? No. Oh, you're in for a treat, man. Here it is, Met Office Doom. This is just weird. I'm Penny Endersby, and it's my great privilege to be the chief executive of the Met Office. Our driving purpose... She's just some fucking weird smiles, man. She's like that... What was the evil principal at Hogwarts called? Not Mrs McGonagall. She was head of House Gryffindor. No, she was... There was, like, one who got took it over. Yes, yes. Uh, Pam... Anti Pam, isn't it? Isn't Anti Pam? Someone in the chat tell us again. We <laughs> should say this. Tell us in the chat. Yeah. yeah, it was in the like the fourth movie, something like that. Something like that. Yeah, and he got took over by yeah. the government. English uh, plumpish yeah. actress. Yeah, yeah, took over. I'm, oh, I'm Penny Endersby, and it's my great privilege to be the chief executive of the Met Office. Our driving purpose at the Met Office is to help you make better decisions to stay safe and thrive. And I can say that the extreme heat we're forecasting right now is absolutely unprecedented. We've seen, when climate change has driven such unprecedented severe weather events all around the world, it can be difficult for people to make the best decisions in these situations because nothing in their life experience has led them to know what to expect. (laughs) You see that little smile? I didn't know because Mrs Dickensucker came up. (laughs) Watch her, watch her difficult for people to make the best decisions in these situations because nothing in their life experience has led them to know what to expect. Oh, fuck! It's <laughs> like, weird, isn't it? It's like, it's like there's someone, there's obviously someone saying, smile. Smile more. Smile. You're delivering, delivering an apocalyptic <laughs> message, but, you know, there's no, re- there's no reason not to smile. difficult for people to make the best decisions in these situations because nothing in their life experience has led them to know what to expect. Fuck! In the UK, we're used to treating a hot spell as a chance to go and play in the sun. This is not that sort of weather. This is not... Dolores Umbridge? Yeah, that was the name. Is that the name of the professor who Mm. took over? Mm. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, the weather's going to get hot. This is an excuse to enjoy yourself. This is different this time. Yeah. Here in the UK, we're used to treating a hot spell as a chance to go and play in the sun. This is not that sort of weather. Our lifestyles and our infrastructure are not adapted to what is coming. What is coming? Oh. I mean, that's like a prophecy, isn't it? It's just like prophesizing. Yeah. Armageddon. We're not ready for what's coming. 
No. Two days of 32 degrees. It's like, oh, it might, might get to 33 up here. Please treat the warnings we are putting out as seriously as you would a red or amber warning from us for wind or snow. So not then. <laughs> Does anyone... I don't know. I never know. No. To give warnings out for snow. Well, yeah. it's pretty obvious, isn't it, if it snows? Oh, don't try and drive anywhere a long way because it's snowing, you dick. <laughs> and follow the advice. Stay out of the sun. Keep your home cool. Think about adjusting your plans for the warning period. If you do have to go out, wear a hat and sunscreen, keep in the shade as much as possible, and carry water. Don't leave people or animals in hot cars, and keep a particular lookout for your family and neighbours, especially more vulnerable people. Our forecasters will continue to work around the clock to ensure we give you the very best advice we can. Thanks for taking care. Oh, God. I mean, she's the seat of, you know, big conspire. She's the, the head. She's the chief executive in the Met Office. That's why they chose this monk, <laughs> isn't it? Dolores, whatever her name was. Dolores Umbridge. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know... Frightening. <laughs> so, what's the difference between my 1925... Three bed, semi detached. Oh, I thought you were going to say 100 yards. <laughs> House. Is that better or worse than like a Bedouin tent in the middle of Sahara? Well, it's funny because the schools break up next week, so most people are flying somewhere to the Mediterranean so they can sit in a sun lounger in 40 degree heat oh, for a week. Gotta hate those people. <laughs> yeah, but oh no. Uh, don't go outside. <laughs> Don't go outside. We're not ready for it. You're not ready for it. It's not like that last year. It's not like last summer when it was really hot. No, this year's different. Give over. It'd be interesting if it does get to 40, if we can believe the, uh, what do you it? What, some place in London has a thermometer that gets to 40? Yeah. The, the, I checked the forecast at tea time and they were saying 32 here. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. It's just, it's called fucking summer. <laughs> Jesus Christ. By Wednesday, it's going to be 18 degrees. I know, I can't wait. You know, <laughs> this is our summer. Get used, well, get, you don't have to get used to it. It's like this every year, pretty much. Last year, from March to the end of August, we had a brilliant summer. Mm. You know, roll on, get some diesel. <laughs> Let's warm this fucker up. Just move north. Just come north, you you lot down there. Yeah. If it's too hot for you, come north. The weather's lovely. Mm. The water's lovely. Lots of fertile land in Greenland. Yeah, lots of stout. <laughs> oh, God. oh, gosh, it's falling apart. Right, let's um, let's see uh, the difference between BBC weather forecasts. Now, I'm going to show you two clips here. The first weather forecast is from 2003. Mm. 17 years ago and the following forecast is from 2022 see if you can pick up any subtle differences here here we're looking at around 21 or 22 as a maximum temperature but in the southeast already we're a degree Oof. or so higher than yesterday so we could well equal the record high temperature of 37 oh, what have we got down there 37 37 look it's 40 degrees there in france as well For, yes 40 degrees there 35 uh, 30 degrees in fucking Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
much more in Sweden than it is in Scotland. It's, it's, it does get very hot in the summer in Sweden. Yeah. It does. Yeah, it does. It's 34, 37. OK, yeah. let's move on mm-hmm. to uh, the today. By the time we get to Sunday, the heat... Oh, God, this is different heat, isn't it? It's bright red. I know. It's... The country's on fire. Uh, yeah, it's very subtle kind of change, isn't it? Messaging. Yeah. And like you raised about France, because it's always hotter on the continent, mm. or we won't colour this in. No, because it's like 50 degrees. It'd have to be fucking black. <laughs> It'd have to be a charred <laughs> apocalyptic hellscape, wouldn't it? So let's just leave it fucking green. No, it's our problem, because, you know, we did Brexit, didn't we? So we're different now. We're on fire, we're bright red. And they're... <laughs> And they're all fucking green and enjoying themselves. It becomes more widespread across the UK and temperatures in the mid-30s. Here we're looking at around I mean, 21 or 22 as yeah. a maximum temperature. But in the southeast already we're a degree... There's temperature in Scotland there. 23 there in Scotland and it's sort of a, a dark yellow. Yeah. 23 well, we've degrees. We've got orange, haven't we? We've got dark orange for 40 degrees in France. <laughs> And like a slightly lighter orange, but now it's blood red. Than yesterday, <laughs> so we could well equal the record high temperature of 37 degrees Celsius. By the time we get to Sunday, it becomes more yeah. widespread across the UK. It's 25! It's 25 in Plymouth! Yeah. That's the same temperature as it was in Scotland, pretty much. Yeah. It's got 23, and it's light, yellow. Same temperature, actually, look. It says the same. 25. 25 yeah. Oh, good spot. So 25 in Plymouth, mm. orange. And then 25 in Plymouth today, it's on fire. It's, it's on bright fire. red. Yeah. People, that, you know, this is subtle. It's subtle messaging that's mm. drip-fed over a long time to, yeah. to, to push the narrative. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you can't deny it. It's there. My uh, son, who's six, brought home a book about recycling. All right. And started talking about the need to recycling and the the planet getting hot. I said, just don't worry about it. Yeah, we've had it. I mean, recycling's not a bad thing. I'm not, I'm not against recycling. You should reuse things if you can. But guess what? You put your shit in your recycling bin, it all ends up in landfill. <laughs> It don't get, they don't recycle. Fuck all. all these recycling plants end up burning down, don't they? Catching fire. <laughs> I thought someone had done some some research into it and found that it was probably putting more carbon into the atmosphere than it was saving because obviously it takes energy to recycle something. The energy of the processing plants yeah. and the shipping there and back. There and back, reprocessed, sorted. Yeah, it makes you feel good though, doesn't it? When you separate your fucking tins. <laughs> in your balls do you wash your tins out do you Is wash your tins out <laughs> and I got news for you that means you're gay fuck off do you wash your tins out uh, no I did but my wife doesn't so I just gave up so yeah there's no point one of you doing no, it no so I just gave up after have to rule with an iron fist we're <laughs> either washing we're either rinsing recycle, uh, tins or not uh, the lethal I've caught her leaving, you know, the ring pull tins. Yeah. Taking the, the the top off and putting it in the washing up bowl. What? I know. I mean, it's just, I'm just asking to have my hand shredded, aren't I? Cut your, lethal. Cut your hand straight off. Yeah, you can't wash. They're, they're dangerous. No. Health and safety. I know. That's why I refuse to recycle. I mean, to uh, wash. 
I mean, just, um, like you said, he just gets all burnt anyway, doesn't he? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a force. Anyway, um, you found a nice uh, TikTok video about the climate hypocrites. Did I? Yeah. It's a scam that's become so normalised oh. that we don't even realise it's a scam anymore. The idea that you and I can do something oh, yeah. about climate change. Even if we ignore that 100 companies make up 71% of global emissions and that just 20 of them make up a third, we still need to talk about these people. What do they all have in common? Private jets. And yeah, I'm sure if I was a billionaire, I might want a private jet, but let's just take a little look. I'm going to give you one example of Kim Kardashian. Yes, we know climate change is real. Okay. We also know that your recent trip to Paris created 34 tonnes of CO2 emission. 34 tonnes. By comparison, the average person in the UK creates 10 tonnes. What would have been even better if she was flying that trip to Paris to give a lecture on why people should cut down on the carbon emissions? That would have been even better. Let everyone... Um Flying into uh, the WEF. Yeah, Davos. Yeah. yeah. Good night, Noble. Yeah. Hey, what are those flags there? Is that Union Jack? That was, is that South? It's not South Africa, but it's. Isn't that Granada? Granada. And then what's that one? It's got, a, it's blue it's with a. It's either uni- Antigua or Montserrat. Montserrat, oh. Because where my wife's mum's from, isn't it? Well, you should be on uh, Pointless. <laughs> Never knew. It might, it might not be Granada, the other one. Hola. Hola, oh. Nicholas. Cracky. Yeah. Scam that's become so normalised. Up a third. Oh, we still need to talk about these people. What do they all have in common? What private jets. Uh... And yeah, I'm sure if I was a billionaire, I might want a private jet. But let's just take a little look. I'm going to give you one example of Kim Kardashian. Yes, we know climate change is real. I also know that your recent trip to Paris created 34 tonnes of CO2 emission. 34 tonnes. By comparison, the average person in the UK creates 10 tonnes in a year. So Kim did in one trip what I would do in over three years. And yet, I would be told to get on the bus, take a short shower, don't eat meat. Yep, save water. Eat bugs. Don't have a shower. Get an electric car that you can't afford. Or just walk. Just walk, you fucking surf. <laughs> you slave. Shut up, slave. Eat your bugs and fucking walk to work. Yeah. <laughs> what was what was the thing? She did one trip to Paris, and it was three years, three, three times the annual usage of a person or a family. Yeah. So imagine how many flights she takes on her private jet a year. Um, I imagine it's quite a lot. Well, doesn't wasn't there something about a sister, Kylie? Is it? One of them called Kylie, yeah. who flies like across LA because she can't deal with the traffic. Does she? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's quicker. That's what. Do you know what I mean? So you know. If that's uh, the way that you want to roll, that's the way you want to roll. But you know, don't well, don't put heartbreaking emojis on fucking. Twitter. Climate change is real. <laughs> exactly. Well, she goes on to say that she's not hating on people with private jets. All for the sake of the environment. To be clear, this isn't about hating people with private jets. But this whole conversation needs to be redirected. You and I ain't going to accomplish a lot. True. I'm with her. Yeah, I'm with her. Yeah, um, but it'll come down to us, the uh, mm. the the regs. You know, when you're a billionaire, you can afford to offset. You can offset well, that's what I was going to say, wasn't it? Yeah. So they're they're all pretty. I think two of them are supposed to be billionaires, aren't they? So I think Kim's supposed to be a billionaire <coughs> now. Obviously, not really, but like the value of her company and. Um, yeah, she's Kylie. on $1 a year, really. Probably, yeah, loaning herself stuff. Yeah. I mean, all that fucking travel was probably tax deductible anyway because mm. it's a business trip. Anyway. You'd hope so. Um, 
Yeah, but she'll just be buying fucking fields in fucking the back end of Fylde near us um, and planting trees in it or going through a third party that's bought the land up so they can plant fir trees on and offset her carbon use. For carbon capture. Yeah, and it would just then be shipping grain from, I don't know, South America or something. It's uh, Lancashire. Yeah, basically, yeah. That's what will happen, isn't it? Sounds like a plan. Mm. Right, I'm in. So what do you have to do? Marry a Kardashian? Yeah, that's all you've got to do. Okay. Housekeeping. I'll work on that. Housekeeping. It's a value for value podcast. If you find this podcast valuable, please continue consider returning some value. Oh gosh, I nearly got cut myself off then. Let's put my teeth in. Right, so if you want to uh, drop your eavesdropping ways and become a producer of the Armist Inquisition, then there are several ways, several methods to become mm. a producer, help us produce content. My favourite, as always, is word of mouth. That's right, man. Spread uh, links about butter people's buttocks up with uh, the creamy goodness. I don't know what I'm going with that. No, it's too hot, isn't it, for this nonsense? Um, I prefer it when people join the Discord and then, you know, I can interact with you by sending uh, moving gifs that say hi gifs yeah hello there yeah it's one of my favourites yeah just when you join the discord and you know that's worth five pounds a month I imagine <laughs> you can um, subscribe and uh, comment on the videos YouTube yeah uh, what are we on send us reviews bit shoot and stuff. bit shoot rumble TikTok. Yeah, we like hearing reviews. You can, um, we'll read them out if they're if they're good. Yeah, and we see them. You can always forward it, forward forward them to us at the Inquisition at gmail dot com, and you can give us the uh, the old five star swipe on Spotify. That's a, a, a function now. It is function. Um, it's functional. Send us suggestions for guests. We get some good suggestions about guests, and we try to implement them, don't we? One coming next show. <coughs> that was a, a guest suggestion in the Discord, and it? it's being implemented. Good. Um, send us show artwork. Oh, Christ. Show artwork. We had uh, a submission from Lee this week, from Lee from the Big Conspire podcast, and here it comes. Incoming. Settle down. Ooh. Ooh, I've covered your face there. That's fine. So here we are, the Irish Inquisition 240... And then we've got, what's this? Is that Moloch, the owl there in the top left? Spiders come not here. Weaving spiders, sorry, come not here. Mm-hmm. Don't know what the BC stands for. Um, we've got some books, some old books there, some occult symbols. Yeah. The odd man out. Yeah. And that's good. Solid piece of art. Thanks for that, Lee. That'll be the show artwork for yeah. this episode on uh, iTunes. Thank you. We have new show artwork every week, so you can do that in the Discord if you're at the artistic time. Or even not, it's like yeah. I've never done any, like, graphic design of fucking out mm. until, you know, a year ago. And you just sort of muddle your way through and pick things up. If you do a little bit every week, 20 minutes, try to throw something together, and it's something I can do now. I can do layer masks. I can, like, take someone out of one photo and put them in another. I can change all the colour profiles. and Wow. It's wild. It's like... Cracky, I can do some things now. Whereas, like, our original artwork, I think, was on MS Paint. 
<laughs> what do you use now? Uh, gimp. Gimp. Natch. Natch. Natch, naturally. Oh, right, okay. I thought that was a different piece of software called Natch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, send us news articles that are timestamped if they're particularly long. Um, or videos, similarly, uh, news articles. Well, there could be video news articles or audio files, couldn't they? You could put post in a Discord. A lot of news articles have embedded videos that exactly. we can clip, don't they? Yeah. So, yeah, those are good. On the, there's, there's like like four channels at the bottom of the Discord server for producer Intel. Yeah. Get, uh, I don't know what it is, show artwork, clips, video clips, news articles, and something else. Maybe artwork, guest suggestions, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, that's the function. Uh, buy merch at the Army Salute Chest. Um, smash the like button. 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 Hey, uh, check this shit out. Bacon, bacon Nuts, nuts t-shirt. t-shirt. If you're inter- interested in Francis Bacon and the occult connotations therein, yeah. why not uh, you know, show your love for Francis Bacon? <laughs> With him, a grotesque t-shirt. <laughs> Beautiful with a bacon nuts T-shirt or mug or pint glass. I mean, what else would you want for twenty six quid? Yeah, it's premium. You see, it's not the cheap stuff. It's That's not a cheap like, T-shirt. It's like twenty percent cotton. Yeah, and this is literally a communist uh, hoodies yeah. and uh, current grape T-shirts. I mean, yeah. you can get a bacon nuts uh, pint glass. Yes, mm-hmm. I think that's 16. similarly priced. Please, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We get we get very little of that money, by the way. Yeah, uh, I know. It's like we make nothing on them. No, really. It's, um, just, it's just there for the lols. It is. Yeah. Um, what else can you do? Uh, focus chi requests. Oh right. So maybe you're suffering from a health condition in the form of depleted chi. Mm. Maybe you've got a big interview, job interview coming up, or you want a new job. You want a new career. Yeah. And you need some chi focusing in your direction. Drop us a note in the Discord in the appropriate thread. <laughs> and we, as an Amish community, will focus our chi in your direction for yeah. your given aim. Yeah. Um, I tend to focus my chi towards the pineal gland. <laughs> and uh, Matt. I knew this was going. Matt, <laughs> Matt tends to focus his chi in the prostate. I am going to aim for the prostate in the men. There you go. I think that's nice. I am going to aim for the pro- Asna! prostate in the men. There is That is one of your seven chakras. The prostate sacra. Yeah, chakra. it is. Have you not seen it on the, on the chakra map? It's here. Right. Got you. It's like in the groin. Yeah, okay. I am going to aim for the prostate in the men. I am not gay. <laughs> Thank you for watching. I mean, if more people were eight... <laughs> hope more open to aiming for the prostate, I think there'd be a lot less homophobia in the world. I am going to aim for the prostate in the men. Open your legs wider! Exactly, yeah. Just uh, shoot the juice to me, Bruce. It's prostate juice. I'm so clippable, aren't I? Well, it's party central, isn't it? Yeah. Party central. <laughs> um, is that everything? I don't know. Is it just one more thing? Uh, yeah, I've done focus chi, yeah. I mean, there's only one way to really become a producer. It's toss us a fucking coin. Toss a coin to your Absolutely. Do it for the lads. 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 You know, because... Oh, we're northern and we're bloody miserable and the weather's fucking shit. 
Yeah, if you go to the armistinquisition.com, uh, there's a PayPal button there. And you can give us a one-off donation, sign up for a monthly recurring sustaining donation, and donations at a level of £50 or over will grant you the rank, the cachet, the social standing, the degree of executive producer for that episode. And we had a communique from Bunyanult on the Discord. Would, would $50 dues count for an executive producer credit, or does it need to be pounds? Well, you've already answered him on the Discord. Yes, I took an executive decision. I think that should apply to dollars, Canadian, American, Australian. What about East Caribbean? Caribbean? East Caribbean dollars, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Is there a separate denomination there? Yeah. Right, okay. 50 units of currency. <laughs> what about 50 Turkish lira then? <laughs> no. It's like probably 0.01p. No, right. 50 pounds, 50 dollars, or 50 bitcoin. Right. <laughs> Nigerian. Now I'm a Nigerian prince. I will send is you 50 dollars. Is it dollars in Nigeria too? Argentine pesos? No. No, I think dollars. Dollars or pounds. I think that's safe. I think that's fair. So they have pesos in uh, Argentina. (laughs) I was going to say in Argentine. (laughs) Pesos? Pesos. I would have thought so. I don't remember. That brings back the memories of having the old pesos on holiday. Pesetas? Yeah. Yeah, I remember pesetas. What was it? Was it... um, (laughs) Was it 200 pesetas for a pool table? I used to go on Aldi. I think it was. Didn't they? 200 peseta coin, I think. Right. Or was it 100? I can't remember. But yeah, I've got a little addendum. Because mm-hmm. uh, I said, fuck them up, those stupid asses, last week. And uh, it wasn't a homophobic thing. It was a movie quote. Right, and so I, someone called you out, wasn't it? Well, I was racking my brains all week. Where have I heard that? Where have I that? Where's that phrase come from? Fuck Jay and Silent Bob. Fuck them up their stupid asses. It's Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck, of course. It's Ben Affleck saying something like that. Yes, fuck them up their stupid asses. Yeah. So there you have it. Yeah. Lost. What do we normally do? Have we done? Uh, don- we've done donations. Uh, so we need to thank the producers. Oh, is it that time? It's time to big up the man Dems. Yo, who've we got this week? Producers. We have Nick, mostly business. Bill, Lee, Helen, and Slicko. Thank you. It's so amazing. They are. Yeah. So amazing in their love. To shop. <laughs> people are comparing it to on March, which was Wednesday. No, 
On Marsh? <laughs> Wednesday. Mer- Mercury, innit? <laughs> Marsh. That's Tuesday, innit? No. Pat Ecrite. Please. Monday. <laughs> Tuesday. Mercury. Marsh. Fritz Day. No? <laughs> That's a random claim. Where the fuck did that come from? I don't know, it's on the tablet. I just clicked it says Phil Phil on Marsh. I've <laughs> got all sorts of weird shit on this. To crush your enemies. <laughs> See them driven before you and hear the lamentations of the women. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh uh Oh god. Uh, because I, I believe I, I have an issue in this respect. Oh, good oh, old bless him. Good old shatters. Mm, old Andrew Shatkin. Oh, man, it's hot. Important news? What's the important news? Ben married J-Lo. Just married her. Got remarried. Again? Yeah, by the looks of it. Ben afflectation. <laughs> yeah. Seems that that, uh, you know, it's important news to leave from the big conspire. How old's J-Lo now? 50s, early 50s. Early 50s. Similar ages, I think. They are, both of them. Is she still Jenny from the block? Does That's a, what she says. Does a booty lie? I believe not. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's like a car crash, though. Uh, what the other one? Mr. Peter Bone! <laughs> yeah. It's a car crash, Ben Affleck. Yeah, he's like got all kinds of problems here. Unfortunately. Why? Why? What, psychological problems? I think so, and I think it's a, a, addiction problems as well. Kind of come hand in hand, don't they? Well, I mean, given all that sort of money mm. and uh, fame... Well, he was quite young. They won the Oscar, didn't he, in the late 90s, so... Goodwill Hunting. In, probably in his late 20s when he won it. For Goodwill Hunting, mm. yeah, and being thrust into public eye. Yeah. It's like, I, it amazes me how uh, Justin Bieber... Is like relatively sane. Yeah, I mean, I know he's not. He's a lunatic, but I would, I'd probably be dead. I don't think I'd have made it till what is he? Is he twenty eight or something? Yeah, he's found religion, hasn't he? Basically, going going to church. Really, that's interesting. That's what I think he's. You know, done the whole twelve step program. I think. Oh, good for him. Reading between the lines, and he's found a higher power, hasn't he? Again, so he was in. Yeah, he's gone back to church. Basically, wow, I'm impressed. Mm. Good. Yeah, a lot of this, it's like a common trope, isn't it, with child stars? Yeah, they get fucked to. up. Wasn't Carrie um, from Star Wars? Carrie uh, Grant. Carrie uh, Fisher. Fisher. Wasn't <laughs> she a child star? No. Am I dreaming that? Was she not related to someone who was famous or something? Oh. Like really famous. I think he goes. Lee, he goes to a meg, one of those mega churches in Miami or something. All those proper invan- evangelical type ones. Yeah, the the fun churches where you like people sing and dance, but like a thousands go. I once uh, sold a guitar amp to a guy who was like a band leader yeah. in, in a church somewhere down south where they put gigs on <laughs> and preach. Right on. Yeah. Like, it's hey. a different, it's a different mindset, isn't it? Over there? It's only it's only four watt. <laughs> I know it's Valve, you know, and it's a Celestian... <laughs> oh, please don't start with the amps. G12 Greenback. But, you know, you want to... I hope you, you're going to have to mark it up. <laughs> you need some serious sound reinforcement. 
There's only so much power a 12A87 valve will put out. How can we talk about something else then? <laughs> Should we finish on something funny? Oh, wait. Finish on Brandon. Got some highlights of his. Uh, oh, God. <coughs> his trip to the Middle East. Strap yourselves in, fuckers. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, fuck. I mean, how hot do you reckon it is there? And how old is he? 80? In a suit? <laughs> Hi. Do you think he's got like. Plus nappies? <laughs> do you think he has one of those cooling vests on? That like pumps cool water around him, so he stays within like a normal body temperature. He's probably a reptile. <laughs> well, he's probably loving it then. <laughs> he should be out, like just basking with his mouth open somewhere. Yeah, he's like he's fucking like he's like Rishi on the old. Uh, it's like Rishi. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I'm a coke oh, addict. Oh, oh, total coke addict. He's like. <laughs> That's what Biden should be like. You'd think, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, yeah, I lost my place now. What uh, am I doing? Uh, what am I doing? It's like it's it's like it's like how he holds his hands as well. Is it? They're all. It's not like like a skeleton. It's like it's not like he like a dead it, person. He's like a very vulnerable old man, isn't he? It's kind of like all. He is a very vulnerable old man. Well, that's what I mean, yeah, rather than... (laughs) The president of the free world. Yeah, being, like, you know, full of vim and vigour. Vim? Yeah. No, the question was for the president. Mr. President, do you want to call on the next question? Um, sure. Uh, I, I was, you give, give a list here. I, uh... <laughs> you give me a list of questions. Okay. Hey, Robbie's here. Robbie from out of the blank. Hi, knew this, Robbie. Knew this day would come. What, what day? Well, it's Sunday. Mm. Hey, Robbie. Oh, gosh, I'm going to have to, uh, Robbie, look. Oh, I'll have to stand up. Don't show your groin. Got my my out of the blank T-shirt on. Yeah, how that's the synchro mm. synchronicity. Is Robbie that's, not always that's, here? That's in Robbie's fed head. Yeah, with laser beams coming out like M- Mr. Manhattan, whatever he's called. Yeah. Are we ever going to get through this? No. <laughs> <laughs> No, the question was for the president. And Mr. President, do you want to call on the next question? Um, sure. Uh, sure. I, I was you give a list here. I, uh, and uh, I've had the honor. It's hard to say these words for over 50 years. I can't be that long, but for over 50 years uh, in the federal government. Doing the hand. <laughs> <laughs> Who do I shake hands with now? Oh, God. That's what happens, isn't it? When I finish and someone pokes me, I turn to my right and hold my hand out to nobody. <laughs> oh, my God. Say these words for over 50 years. I can't be that long. But for over 50 years, uh, in the federal government. <laughs> 
לנשיא ארצות הברית. Thank you, President Herzog, and to sit here. Oh, it's rough, isn't it? It's fucking rough. Scary, though, isn't it? You know. Send him to the fucking glue factory, man. He's done, he's toast. I mean, I'd be kinder and say, like, what, uh, however his name now, but he should be fishing, like you said, he should be retired during his retirement. Yeah, good point that. I feel so safe Biden is the leader of the free world with his finger on the nuclear bouton. Hope it's not the finger with the tremor. <laughs> He's just shaking hands with anyone. Anyone? Could anyone want to shake hands with me? This is what normally happens when I come off a podium. Someone shakes hands with me immediately. I know. Oh, gosh. Imagine him making a... Dis- uh, but that, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, if, you, if that was to happen... Um, you know, he had to make a decision on whether to press the button to launch. Could he? If they gave him a wheelchair, he'd have more energy. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they should do. They should wheel him, wheel him about. Or just a zimmer. Just something for him to hold on to. A zimmer frame. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah, it's a sad uh, state of affairs. He had a bit of a bad headache. <laughs> he had a bit of a bad headache this week as well. Did you see this? And uh, I had a terrible headache. <laughs> Excuse me, a terrible headache. And uh, oh god, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> swallowed wrong. Swallowed wrong. Ace. And uh, I had a terrible headache. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, a terrible headache. And, uh... Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Dead man walking. Oof. It's quite funny. It's funny because it's so, uh... It's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Well, this is the thing, though. Imagine if... He was a Republican. <laughs> a, like a Pontmobile. If you had an electric wheelchair, like a Pontmobile. Well, yeah. The Pope of America. Mm. Uncle Joe's here, sniffing girls' le- girls' hair left, right and centre. Oh, God, yeah, the thing, the cuddling. That's such a creep. Yeah. I wonder if that's when they, like, they took his, opened his head up those two times, whether they screwed something up. Like someone like dropped a, a screw inside his brain or something when they took his top off. He's just old, isn't he? <laughs> Oh, oh, where's my watch? <laughs> like, uh, oh, quick, sew him back up. He's <laughs> just got some... He's got, like, a Rolex in there. <laughs> screwing, screwing stuff up. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, probably. Uh, it's late. That's all the notes gone. We're done. Yeah. Three in the bed. One side roll over. It's fucking boiling. <laughs> yeah. The dog's been on our bed the last two nights when I've gone upstairs. I bet he's hot on the bed. Yeah, well, he's hot and he leaves, he leaves willy juice everywhere. Does he sweat? No, they pant. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Does he sweat yellow jizz? <laughs> yeah, exclusively. Mm. And spit. Yeah. Oh, he's a good boy. <laughs> That's what I used to, yeah, when we had a dog and it was hot, outside the door just going... <laughs> And then... 
they are they, very, very, then she'd walk off. They have very hot breath, don't they, dogs? Yeah. And even hotter farts. <laughs> Nothing. What a way to end. Well, you know. Right. We're going away. We're not going to be here next week. No, I'm not going to be here for weeks. <laughs> well, for now. Well, yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I got hairy legs. You know, get some sun on your hairy, hairy legs. Yeah, yeah. I'll try. Yeah, summer holidays next week. We'll be back the week after with someone who um, thinks that Jesus was a trans Freemason. Right, well, I'm sad I'm going to miss that. Yeah, don't miss it. Be a good one. Make sure you take your... The magic vaccine. So you can join us. <laughs> so you're allowed. Right, we're signing off, suckers. Back in two weeks. Mm. Bye. Pro-shabalum. Aim for the prostate. <laughs> I am going to aim for the prostate in the men. Right, draw. Good night. Good night. Big nuts, what? What was that? I missed that. No. Asna! I am not gay. Thank you for watching. Open your legs wider. Just to shoot the juice to me, Bruce. Party Central. And I got news for you. That means you're gay. Are you not entertained? I have to say, it's hard right now. Thank you for watching. Head out of 14 years. Final sex. Captain Crasherooney Snooze Fest. My name is Evan. Because I'm literally a communist. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. It is bonkers. I am going to aim for the prostate in the men. I am not gay.